When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are thirsty for some pro wrestling punditry because we are but hours, hours away from WrestleMania at this point. And it is me, your Wrestling Inc. Managing Editor, Nick Houseman, joined here as I am every Thursday by our good friend Justin Lombard. Justin, welcome back to the Winkly. You smell that, Nick? It's freedom. No, it's fish. Mm, it's freedom. No, it's fish. It's New York City. <laughs> oh, I was wondering where you were going with that. It was a, it was a Home Alone reference. Oh. Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2 lost in New York when Marvin Harry showed up in the back of a fish truck in mm. New York City, mm. by the way. Okay. Well, I, I guess I'll have to. You know, I am going to New York. I should probably... you're, from, you're from Chicago where Home Alone starts. And oh, then, they, I mean, you should know this. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, I'm originally from, from Texas, but I did move to Chicago. And I have appropriated a lot of their culture. So you are right. I, I am out of, I'm out of my lane here. Um, we got a big show here today for you guys. This is our WrestleMania blowout special. Uh, it's going to be largely interviews here today. Uh, so we are going to throw here very shortly to uh, an interview I did with NXT TakeOver and WrestleMania 35 panelist Pat McAfee. We're then going to go to our good buddy Scott Fishman chatting with WrestleMania 35 panelist and radio host Sam Roberts. We are then going to give you the full audio from Triple H's NXT TakeOver media call you're going to hear hunter talk about all kinds of stuff when it comes to the world of takeover and nxt after that you're going to get an interview i did with busted open radio co-host david lagreca they are coming up on their 10th anniversary for busted open radio and uh, we're going to chat to, uh, chat with him all about uh what's going on with that and we also have audio from his co-host bully ray who participated in ring of honors g1 supercard media call so you're going to get to hear bully chat on that call and you're going to get the uh, audio of pco on that media call as well so a whole bunch of great audio content coming from uh, coming right into your ear holes here in just a little bit i want to remind you all uh tomorrow friday the debut episode of the friday winkly uh comes out on the ringside wrestling app it's going to come out every friday over on the ringside wrestling app it's the only place to get it it'll be me and raj geary talking all the top news of the week this week we give our wrestlemania 35 previews and predictions uh great app it's free to download it's also got content from josh matthews madison rain and many many more enjoy it sink your teeth in ringside wrestling app you can go over to the pro wrestling tees wrestling ink store get the jack journalist t-shirt it's only 20 bucks use the promo code mania this weekend until monday to get 20 percent off all of your t-shirt orders over pro wrestling tees where you can find our new jacked journalist t-shirt this thing is boss you're gonna love it go wear it there's a photo of me on Twitter wearing it. It looks great. 
And last but not least here, when it comes to shirts, if you haven't already, go over to rsvlts.com, get their short sleeve button-down cult collector WWE Series shirts. Use the promo code WRESTLINGINC. You get 20% off. Usually the shirts are like $65 a shirt. They feature Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, Ric Flair, Steve Austin, Undertaker, Paul Bear. Usually $65. With the 20% off, you get over $10 off your order. Boom. Cheap deal on shirts. So there's all the shirts. That's all the plugs. We're going to be back at the end of the show to chat a little bit more. But, I mean, Justin, that was just that was just a lot. I'm, I'm parched now from all the chatting I just had to do to start this show. You're just a regular uh, infomercial pitch man. At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show one of the uh, a former Indianapolis Colt and a current commentator, takeover panelist on the kickoff show. It is our good friend, Pat McAfee. Pat, welcome back to the Winkley. Nick, thank you so much for having me. I know we're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed here this early morning conversation, and I'm excited to dive deep into the wrestling world again and also into the magic that's happening with Lisa Mattresses here in Indianapolis today. Yeah, man, you are a man of so many different things, Pat. The last time we were chatting about uh, Naturalized, today we are talking about Lisa Mattresses and how you guys are going to be advocates for victims of domestic violence. So first of all, let's start right there. How did you get teamed up with Lisa Mattresses uh, for this event at uh, Coburn Place? So Lisa has been a partner of mine basically since I left the NFL and started doing this internet business. They've been a company that has supported everything that I have going on. And what happened was I kind of started chit-chatting. And Lisa is a company that not only disrupt the industry of mattresses, where they take a mattress that is the greatest, most comfortable mattress you've ever laid your beautiful head on and deliver it right to your doorstep instead of going to a bed or mattress firm store and rolling around in other people's sweat and stuff like that. Gross. But they're also a company that's founded upon making the world a better place. For every mattress that's sold, they plant a tree. Hello, green company. We like good oxygen. And also, they're a company that donates one mattress for every 10 mattresses sold. And I said, how can we make the world a better place? They came back to me and said, how about we donate 100 mattresses to a place called Coburn Place right here in Indianapolis, which is a sanctuary, a safe space, a growth program uh, for domestic and interpersonal violence survivors and thrivers. And I said, I couldn't wait to do it. We're doing that this afternoon. Hopefully we'll bring some smiles to some families uh, that have been through a rough patch. And honestly, that's just, it's what, it's what the world's all about and what life's all about is some fulfillment, making the world happy, making people's lives better. And Lisa's all about it. And I'm lucky to be here a part of it, riding their coattails. And that's awesome what you're doing, uh, Pat. I really love to hear how much you are uh, active in the community. I mean, was there any particular reason that you felt driven to help support victims of domestic violence? Is this an issue that you yourself have uh, uh, some stake in or opinions about? Well, I think everybody on earth should have an opinion about domestic and interpersonal violence. It's, it's something about making people not live in fear and making people not live in, in a, in a manner that they think they can't be themselves and be happy. And I think we all know, especially nowadays with the more woke society that we live in, how more prevalent this is in our society than we could have ever imagined. I don't think it was talked about much in the past. I don't think survivors ever had a voice. And now we're coming into a society and into a generation and an era where these voices are being heard. And hopefully we'll live in a time at some point in my lifetime where it's gone and disappear. But since it's not yet, I think the only right thing to do is kind of take care of people and make them set themselves up for a better future, a brighter future. And that's what Coburn Place is doing. And uh, hopefully these mattresses from Lisa are a way for them to revitalize their happiness and revitalize their life while they're trying to get everything back on path uh, with their family and, and kind of just set people up for the future. So although my family 
has never experienced it. It's still something that as a human living in a society we live in, it's something that we all want to stop and we should all want to stop and kind of move forward and keep it moving, brother. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and a question I guess I'd like to ask you, I mean, since you have such a big platform, you're such a well-known personality, I think the issue of whether or not people of your statue, uh, people of your stature have the obligation to use their platform to spread awareness about issues like this and others. Do you think that that's true, that, that people have, that have more exposure have an obligation to speak up about issues like this? Well, I think as much as given, much as expected is a cliche term for a real reason. I mean, I found that out whenever I got arrested for a dumb, dumb incident my second year in the NFL. Nobody had a clue who I was, but all anybody could talk about was how dumb I was and how bad of a, an example I was for the public intoxication to the younger generation. And it was that day that I had a conversation with my dad and my family that I was going to try to make the world a better place and make sure people don't remember me for being the drunk idiot that got arrested in my second year. So I think I've had a real focus on making the world a better place, both philanthropically and maybe attitude-wise. Ever since that moment, I didn't focus on it as much before then. I was just trying to have a good time. I, got, I was given a lot of money at a young age I could never expected. It was living wild. And it wasn't until I realized that you literally live in a fishbowl if you have any sort of profession or following. And you can either do bad with that or good with that. And I've tried my entire, entire best to make it be a good thing. And I honestly believe that we're getting into an era, just like I said earlier, it's a woke society. But I think a lot of people want to make the world a better place. I think there's a lot of people looking in the mirror asking themselves if they're going to be the one that makes it a better world today. And I think it's only a matter of time before everybody starts doing that. And that's the type of thing that we have to do as Americans in, in these society that we live in and kind of uh, be a good example for others to follow in our footsteps that, hey, we can make this world how we want it, which is a happy one, a kind one, a cool one, and damn it, a fun one. And uh, that's what we're all shooting for. And that's what Lisa Mattress, uh, their agenda and their idea is. And it's just kind of a nice tag team, them and I. And, and today is a great start here in Indianapolis to get this thing rolling. Dude, that is so that is so great to hear, Pat. And, uh, you know, last year, I guess, on this topic, I will guess I'll say you've seen both sides uh, of the spectrum here from football and pro wrestling about how talent is developed, how these performance centers operate. How does uh, the environment for the WWE's performance center compare to the NFL and the way their talents are brought up when it comes to mentors and other people around them uh, putting in their head the kinds of things that you're bringing up right now? Well, I think for me, I was very lucky to come to a team that had Adam Vinatieri on it. He was the greatest of all time when it came to kicking balls. Although I wasn't a field goal kicker when I came to the Indianapolis Colts, I was a punter. The mentality of being a specialist is the same thing, where you got to be able to focus on on what your task, your skill set, your specialty. But then off the field, I got a chance to watch Vinatieri live his life as well. He's a family man. He's got three kids. He's got a museum of a house. I mean, his house is a monster out here. But when it comes to coming into a place and watching the OGs and the vets perform and the way they interact with, whether it's the, the foundations that the Colts worked with or whether it was the people that came out to practices to chit-chat with us or the children's hospital or anything like that. Whenever you see OGs do something in your head, you're like, okay, that's how I'm supposed to act. Yeah. If Vinatieri, who's the greatest of all time, is acting that way, that's how I'm supposed to act. If Peyton Manning donated, I think, $10 million to start a children's hospital here in Indianapolis, the Peyton Manning Children's Hospital. Whenever you see something like that happen, you're like, okay, not only can I be great on the football field, 
I can also be great off the field. And I think that's the same type of thing that's happening down at the performance center. There's a lot of work getting done in those rings and in that weight room and in on the microphone, but also you've got a lot of people that have done a lot of good in the world, leading the way for these younger generation and the future superstars of the world. And I think with the way the WWE has philanthropically affected the world, not just the United States, we're talking about worldwide. I think it sets a good example and a precedent for other publicly traded companies to kind of make the world a better place. And that's what Lisa Sleep is doing. That's what I'm, I'm trying to do. And uh, hopefully, if we can leave the world a better place than we found it, that's really what we're here for. Pat, I, I do. I absolutely love it. All right, we'll switch gears here a little bit. As much as I, I could sit here and talk to you about uh, advocacy, about these social issues and things like that, I know that the wrestling fans out there right now, very interested on your take of your first WrestleMania weekend, a part of WWE. Uh, you will be a part of the kickoff panel for TakeOver New York, correct? Yes, sir. I was also down there last year in New Orleans. That was my first time. That was my first appearance with the WWE. Really? I was on the. Oh, wow. I feel like a dick. Has it been a full year since you've been with the WWE? Oh, Dick Nick Hosman there. Uh, Yeah. We're coming up on a year anniversary. And uh, it was from then till now, I was mind blown just to be a part of anything that had the WWE label on it. And I still am. But what I think I've learned the most is that the humans that are calling the shots with the WWE and giving me the microphone and the platform and the ability to do and say very dumb things on their network uh, are just good people. And it's uh, it's been a fun year, a fun ride. And I can't wait to get to New York and New Jersey. I'm also on the WrestleMania kickoff show. I don't know if that news has been broken yet. I think they're going to let me have at least two maybe a minute and a half on there. And I had to buy a tuxedo, Vince McMahon, uh, Michael Cole told me that if Vince McMahon sees me dressed terribly, like I'd normally am, he'll never let me on TV again. So this has been an entire experience. Uh, but it's, it's, we're coming up on a year anniversary of me uh, making content with the WWE. And I'm very, very excited for it as is the rest of the wrestling world. I mean, this is, this is our Super Bowl. This is big time. All the indie shows coming to town, a lot of, a lot of, talking panels this that it's just a time to celebrate uh the greatest male soap opera on earth and that's professional wrestling wow well full year here and now you're getting called up to the big show here with wrestlemania i mean how much different does it feel for you walking in to do a wrestlemania panel as opposed to a takeover panel i I had to buy a tuxedo i felt like i was in high school going to prom again it's a uh it's a why i'll tell you i I, i've followed all the storylines so i feel good about my knowledge and the things that i'll say about the WrestleMania show. But to be honest, the, the only thing I'm thinking about right now is Vince McMahon seeing me on TV, probably for the first time. He probably has no idea that I even do anything with NXT and him just not wanting to fire me immediately or kiss his ass, which would be good. Come on. Vince loves big dudes. He loves football players. I'm sure that you guys are going to get along great. I mean, well, tell me a little bit about your relationship with Vince. How's it been meeting the man, getting to know him, work alongside him, that kind of deal? Oh, yeah, it's been awesome. I shook his hand one time. We talked for about six seconds, and then he left. And that, that is it. That is absolutely it. I, Michael Cole told me he asked one question, like, who who is the guy with the jorts? I guess was the question he asked. And Michael Cole said, ah, that's Pat Max. He just uh, he used to be a punter for the Colts. And then that's all I really know of Vince McMahon, even knowing that I exist. Hopefully, this upcoming uh, WrestleMania, if I get to say much on the pre-show, 
obviously bring some electricity to the microphone. I think the tuxedo that I got at Macy's looks damn good as well. I mean, at the $47 tuxedo, mm-hmm. I think he's going to respect that. He's going to like it. And hopefully we'll be able to blossom this relationship into something special in the future. Well, much to the chagrin of some wrestling fans, I assume, but also hopefully bring some electric content along the way. True story. When I went to prom, uh, I got a zoot suit tuxedo. I don't know if you want to go that route or not, but you know they're pretty. They're pretty classy. They got a certain look to them. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Nick. The zoot suit riot was definitely a thought. Uh, Canadian tuxedo also a thought. Uh, just want to let that be known. But sure. I pulled the trigger on something with some uh, little pop, little flair, and it's either going to be loved or hated by Vince. And uh, I think that's kind of me with everybody. So I'm pretty pumped up about it. Well, let's talk a little bit about this year's TakeOver New York card. Uh, five, five bouts, all title matches. Are you a fan of these uh, smaller cards here with less matches? Well, I think that's why everybody loves the NXT, uh, because the, the, the TakeOvers are quick. They're dy- not quick, but they're, they're a shorter runtime. They're dynamite shows. Everything means something. And I think back in the day, that was a, much more what it was like. Now, granted, I think they're – is a slew of talent on the NXT roster. I think they could put together a four-hour, five-hour show if they had to or needed to. But the NXT universe getting to watch all of the titles up, I think it's a special thing. And I think every single takeover kind of tops the previous one somehow, some way. I mean, if you look back to Tommaso Johnny uh, little run there they had at the takeovers in Chicago and I believe in New York, it was just it was insanity, the things that they would do. And now you know Adam Cole and Johnny Wrestling are going to bring the house down, and, and you know the NXT UK and the women. I mean, there's just there's so many, so many matches that are going to be incredible. I can't wait for Friday night in New York City and Brooklyn. And uh, the takeovers always blow the roof off the place, and I assume that they're going to do it again. And I'm just lucky to talk a little shit before it. Yeah, no kidding, man. And, you know, I was here in Chicago, by the way, for Gar- Gargano and Ciampa, and those two just absolutely burned the house down. I love watching these guys together. And I guess that brings me to my question for you. I mean, who do you want to see walk away with the NXT championship? Do you think it's Adam Cole's time to be on top, or would you rather see Gargano take the title here and maybe build to an eventual, uh, you know, decisive championship bout here between Gargano and Ciampa when he heals and comes back? Johnny Gargano. Yeah. His name his last his last name's wrestling. I want Johnny Gargano to win. Adam Cole hates Jorts. He's un American. He should not be representing the hottest brand in sports entertainment. I am a big Johnny Gargano. Obviously I I respect the Undisputed Era and what they're able to do both in the ring and on the microphone. I think they're an incredible little faction there. But this is Johnny Gargano's time to take back the helm of the top guy in NXT and I'm excited to watch it happen. And Adam Cole is obviously an incredible showman. He's got great hair. He's handsome. He's attractive, but he hates jorts. So turns me against him immediately. I'm big time Johnny Weston guy. And I think he walks out of there with the title. I had forgotten of all about the heat that you had with Adam Cole here. I feel dumb having that. There it is. Dick, Dick Hausman again, coming back out there. I completely blanked that. I know that you have heat with Adam Cole. That's a dumb question. Unbelievable. Nick. Hey, Nick, this is unbelievable. Nick. (laughs) You're like, there's, there's nothing else going on in your world, I assume. So you forgetting that is very offensive. It's all uh, wrestling. Very it's all wrestling I'm for very, me. All wrestling for me. Uh, hey, let's I, talk about the NXT North American Championship real quick. I think this is a very interesting bout here. You got the showman, Velveteen Dream, the champion here, taking on the pure athlete, the former UFC fighter, Matt Riddle. How do you think this match plays out? Well, I respect the fact that both of these guys have their eyes on massive careers, right? Velveteen Dream has not been quiet or shy about the fact that he wants to get called up 
to Raw or SmackDown brands. And Matt Riddle came out and said that he wants to be the one that retires Brock Lesnar. Velveteen Dream, anytime he walks into an arena, there's a little bit of a buzz and a little bit of electricity. And Riddle is just a physical freak. I mean, I watch his chronicle of going down to NXT and how he stopped at a couple different of his wrestling schools and the whole thing. He's a guy you can really get behind. But I, I just don't know if you can beat the experience of TakeOver. Velveteen Dream seems to want and love that North American Championship, and I think he retains, even though it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful match between two freak athletes. But I think yeah. there's going to be a little bit of a rainmaker there from old Purple Cuzzy Velveteen Dream. You know, here's the thing about Velveteen Dream. You're right. He's so outspoken about wanting to get called up to Raw or SmackDown, and it seems wave after wave he continues to stay in NXT. He continues to grow in NXT. He's a champion now. Do you think that uh, if he maybe showed a little bit more humility, he could be looked at as somebody that they could put up onto the main rosters of Raw and SmackDown and tour around the country? I mean, humility is a cool thing if you're talking about the the real world out here. But in sports entertainment, humility can is is either something you go full in or you go completely against. Ric Flair used to cut promos about everything in his life being much grander and greater than every other human existing. Not being humble is uh, something that is welcomed in sports entertainment. So do I think Velveteen Dream will go up and, and do incredible on Raw and SmackDown, just like Alistair and Ricochet and Tommaso and Johnny were whenever they get called up, or Kevin Owens or Seth Rollins, anybody that's come up from NXT? Absolutely. But yeah, Velveteen's still young. I mean, he's a product of that performance center. He's been groomed. He's been prepped. He, he'll get his shot at some point, and when he does, he'll be ready to what do you last question about velveteen dream what do you make of his obsession with hulk hogan um i'm probably growing up also a little macho man too he's got a little macho man too so i'm assuming that whenever he was growing up he was big into the macho man and then of hulk hogan i mean hulk hogan has said some regrettable things i think we've all learned that yes uh, but you can't deny the fact that the wwf Back then in the WWE, a lot of those decades were pushed on the shoulders of Hulk Hogan. And uh, if you're a diehard fan ever since you're a kid and you dive into the WWE networks, into the annals of the history of the WWF, you can't help but put some respect on what he was able to do in the profession outside of the ring and outside of the company, definitely some suspect stuff. But whenever he was in the ring, he was able to put on a show and captivate millions and millions of people on a regular basis. So uh, I'm not sure why he is, you know, obsessed with uh, the entire thing, but I could, I could only assume that it's because he was a massive fan whenever he was younger growing up. And that's where all these dreams start is whenever you're a kid and then you get to play it out as a, as an adult. Well, let's talk about a dream come true here. Uh, UK championship, Pete Dunn, or dream slash nightmare, because it's been a dream ride for this guy. Nearly two years. I did the math the other day. He's been the UK champion for 677 days right now. Uh, I think, I think Brock Lesnar may have held the title. I think, I think he's held the title longer than Brock Lesnar actually, but regardless, Pete Dunn, very lengthy title here. He's going up against one of the biggest powerhouses on the planet. Walter. Do you think this is where Pete Dunn's dream ride comes to an end? I'll tell you what, I'm a citizen of America. So the NXT UK champion is not for me to decide, but I enjoy the Pete Dunn character. I enjoy how strong his jaw is whenever he bites down on the title and just carries that thing in his mouth like a dog. 
I don't think he cares who he's going against. It's not size of the dog in a fight, size of the fight in the dog. And I think Pete Dunn retains, and there's a reason he's been a champion for almost two years. I think he'll do incredible things, but I'm excited the NXT UK title is getting represented at an NXT takeover. It's not only good for the brand, but it's good for England, too. I mean, good for England. Let's give them a round of applause as well, because this is a big deal. And it's also in, I mean, the city that never sleeps, New York City. Always, it's going to be a massive moment for NXT. It's going to be a massive moment for NXT UK. And I think it's going to be a moment that Pete Dunne is going to hang his career on whenever he's done. You are much more optimistic about Pete Dunne's chances than I am. I mean, Walter is built like a tank. This is one of the biggest, scariest men I've ever seen in all of pro wrestling. So I'm I'm all about you being behind Pete Dunne here. But uh, I have a feeling he's going to have some welts on his chest. And I don't think he's going to have that title walking out of takeover. Oh, so you're saying Daniel Bryan sucks? Is that what you just said? Because he's small and he gets welts on his chest? Nah, wow. Nah, that's, wow. Look, I'm just speaking wow. I'm just speaking truth. Walter, I saw Walter and PCO throw down last year, WrestleMania weekend, two of the biggest, baddest men on the planet. And look, Walter is not your typical wrestler. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's a he's a literal monster. This guy is is a freak. There's a lot of freaks in the sports entertainment business, and there's a reason why champions are champions. You don't just fall to the top of the mountain, Nick. you got to remember that. You earn your way up every single step of the way. Mm. He's been at the top of the NXT UK mountain long time it's not gonna be easy to topple i don't care how big of a freak he is i don't care what pco or pos he was in last year he beat tons of champion for a reason and i think he remains that way coming out of brooklyn next friday night all right real quickly two more matches here from takeover we'll get to the women here the nxt women's championship Shayna baszler defending against carrie uh Kari sane uh io shirai and bianca belair uh who we know that your friend uh sam roberts is a big fan of here uh big weekend for the four horsewomen both from ufc and from the wwe uh, do you think that this is a chance for Shayna to prove that she's on the same level as her friend Ronda Rousey? Shayna is definitely on the same level as Ronda Rousey. She's been an incredible champion in NXT. She's vicious in the ring. She cuts good promos and she looks the part. She could beat you up. She could beat me up. And that's something you have to be whenever you're the champion. She said snap, tap, or crap. She said she was going to make somebody do that. But Bianca Belair, it's her time to shine. And Sam Roberts is going to hate it. I'm going to love it, and I'm excited for the women's evolution that's been really kicking ass, not only in NXT, but also on the main roster up yeah. there. And it's a huge, huge weekend for the ladies of the WWE, and I think they're going to steal the show both on Friday and on Sunday. What do you think of the decision to have the women close WrestleMania? It's awesome. Everybody knew that. <laughs> that thing, uh, that, the Ronda Rousey-Becky Lynch heat is such a real one. Then you throw in such a legacy like Charlotte Flair in there. It's a match that's been built up for a long time, both on social media and on TV. I, I think it's uh, fitting. It's uh, the only real one where you feel like as if the three humans in there legitimately hate each other. And I think it's going to be a, a hell of a way to cap off probably an eight-hour show. So I can't wait to see it. Hopefully the, uh, the stadium will have some juice for them because it's just like Triple H said, it wasn't given, it was earned. And I think it's uh, the right time, the right people. It's going to be the right show to, to cap the whole thing off. All right, and the last match here, the Tag Team Championships from NXT, the War Raiders defending against Ricochet and Aleister Black. Uh, me personally, you know, win, lose, or draw, I do see this as a bit of a swan song here for Ricochet and Aleister Black. It seems they are destined for the main roster. Are you interpreting this match the same way? Um, You know what? I did think that they were just 
just got called up so quick with zero, nothing else happened. Just one day they're boom. They just showed up on the main roster. They've been pulling double duty here for a long time though. They're on raw SmackDown and NXT. I think that type of road warrior type thing could wear them down. Although they've gotten some great wins over a lot of great tag teams up in raw and SmackDown, but I'm a war Raiders guy, man. I mean, they think they're actual Vikings. It's going to be hard to, to beat people that mentally think they're Vikings. All right. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Although I love Rick Day and Alex's uh, performance. I think they're going to be the next huge things up on the main roster. But for me, the War Raiders uh, are going to be tough to beat in that Dusty Classic. All right, last question here. Uh, I have to ask you about it. Um, you have a similar background, I feel like, to Baron Corbin. He's a football player, Golden Gloves boxer he is uh, i know that you have uh passions to one day maybe be in a wrestling ring you could find yourself maybe a similar position here as baron corbin he's going to be taking on kurt angle in his farewell match it's gotten a lot of backlash do you think it is warranted or do you think that baron corbin is going to surprise people here come wrestlemania baron corbin lived in my house for a month when he played for the Colts our rookie year baron corbin and i know each other well i'm not a golden gloves boxer at all so i think our backgrounds might be a bit different sure but i love him. i think he's incredible on the microphone he's very easily hateable both in real life and his character so yeah. it's a perfect tool and i think kurt angle um still got it i mean there was a couple little rocky operations there on tuesday night smackdown but i think it's going to be a great match and uh i think baron corbin loves that everybody hates it loves that everybody's underwhelmed with the booking and uh, i still think they'll be able to put on a good show because baron's a big guy he's an athletic guy and he's got an incredible personality on that microphone i, I am now, not only did I shower with him whenever he was on the Indianapolis Colts, not only did he live in my house, not only did we go out together for a little bit uh, to bars and restaurants and kind of were roommates, like we were college roommates whenever we were rookies in the NFL. But I also think he's uh, he's a lot more talented than people give him credit for, both in the ring and on the mic. Uh, everybody wants to see Kurt Angle, John Cena, including myself. But I'm assuming John Cena is making another multi-billion dollar movie. That's just kind of the way that thing goes. Uh, but I think Baron Corbin and Kurt are going to put on a show right there at MetLife Stadium. So what, you don't think we'll see, do you think we'll see Cena at WrestleMania this year? I hate to keep tacking on one extra question, but do you think that he'll be there or no? I have no clue. I'm not privy to any of that information. They know, when I was with the Colts, I was the bottom of the totem pole. They wouldn't tell me anything. I had no idea Andrew Luck was even hurt until he got surgery. So it's the same thing with WWE. They let me know nothing. I just show up oblivious and just have a good time and talk about what I'm seeing. It would be cool to see the Cena there. I hope he has a haircut, though. That hair, that long hair, not really my thing, but uh, hopefully we can see him instead of you can't see him, if you know what I'm saying, next Sunday at MetLife Stadium. That's a good line. They should give you a microphone, let you talk about the show or something like that. Uh, Pat, I really enjoy it. I always enjoy chatting with you here on the Winkley. Again, uh, Pat is teaming up with Lisa Mattresses to host an event at Coburn Place, supporting victims of domestic violence. Uh, he's going to be unboxing mattresses alongside all the families. Uh, he's been doing a meet and greet. He's going to be signing autographs. Pat, I'm a big fan of everything that you do. Really enjoy your take on the, the sport of pro wrestling. Is there anything else? you'd like to leave everybody with here before we uh, wrap it up today? No, I hope everybody just has an incredible day. I hope you have the greatest day of your life today. The only difference between a good day and a bad day is your attitude. Your attitude controls your altitude, blah, 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 all that stuff. And also, uh, I appreciate you for having me on here, man. Love chatting with you. Even though you can be a little bit of a dick sometimes and forget pretty key facts of my life, that's not that big of a deal. You know what you got to do. Wait until they give me a microphone in an arena. That's going to be a whole nother day. We're going to have a good time with that, Nick. Cheers, and I'm very thankful for this, and uh, let's have a damn day and take care of some people at Coburn Place with Lisa Mattresses.
Sam. How you doing? Hello. Hey, man. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello. Oh, okay. Great. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thanks for taking time out. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, as I explained, um, so basically what this is usually is uh, just talking about those outside of the business, even though, you know, you have your connections to WWE, but those outside of the business and just how they found the business and fell in love with it and wrestling like that. And so, you know, you have, you're such a big wrestling fan. This was, I thought this would be great for you. So. Um, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So starting yeah. out, so starting out, uh, uh, trace, trace me back to when you became a fan. What was the moment that kind of hit it for you? Well, I don't, I mean, I know a lot of people have specific moments where they go, okay, I was locked in, but I don't actually remember a time that I wasn't a fan. I mean, you know, I feel like wrestling was ingrained in me from the time I was birthed because I just do not remember an interest that I had that's earlier than wrestling. I don't remember a time where I decided, okay, wrestling is what I like. It was just always something that I was into, you know, the first kind of pictures in my head that start to develop the first storylines that I was really able to get into was the stuff that was going on around 1990, 1991, sort of the coming out of WrestleMania six and heading towards WrestleMania seven that year is where, and especially 91, the beginning of 91 when Sergeant Slaughter uh, interfered in the macho King. Uh, I mean, yeah. When macho King interfered, in the Ultimate Warrior, Sergeant Slaughter, WWE Championship match. That was probably that string of storylines leading into WrestleMania 7. It's probably the first storyline I remember getting locked into. But I don't remember a time in my life that I was not a wrestling fan. And uh, living in the Northeast, um, what was your first show? What's the first show that you went to? I mean, you see it on TV, but then you experience it. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, so my first show, I I was born here in New York and, and live here in New York now, but I spent uh, some of my childhood living in England. I, I'm, my family moved to the U.K. Uh, when I was young, and so we spent about four years living in the U.K., and my first live show was actually SummerSlam 92 in Wembley Stadium. Wow. And, I mean, yeah, and I I will – never forget it was probably about three days before the event and it was still even the idea of i was eight years old and the idea of wwe doing you know a SummerSlam show live even though it was in england it was still so far out of the realm in my head like these are superheroes these i looked at wrestlers like i looked at cartoon characters or anyone else on tv it wasn't anything that I could ever see myself getting that close to. And three days before the show, my dad came home and he had these tickets and I didn't know what they were at first because they weren't traditional looking tickets. They were printed on kind of regular paper and it was a photo of a battle Royal that I think the battle Royal was actually the WrestleMania two NFL WWE battle Royal. And it said SummerSlam on it. It had SummerSlam logo on it. And I looked at him and I remember I was so, I don't think that I've ever been that sort of surprised and out of my head excited about anything. I think that was the peak as far as that goes. Uh, Cause I looked at him and I said, what are these? 
And he said, what do you think they are? And I said, oh, my God, are these tickets to SummerSlam? And he was like, yeah. And I started freaking out. I was running around the house. I started calling all my friends. We got tickets to SummerSlam because my dad got, like, I think tickets that were somewhere around the 12th row at Wembley Stadium for me and the whole family. There was five of us, and we all went uh, and sat and watched, and we got there early, and I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was the colors were so bright, and everything was so big, and everything was so loud, and it was real life and happening in front of my face, and it just changed everything. Later on, my parents told me that they were worried because I was so obsessed with wrestling. They were worried that we were going to be sitting up close to it, and at eight years old, I was going to look at it and see, you know, some of the magic, that maybe it wasn't all that it appeared to be that there was some cooperation, let's just say, going on between the participants. And, I mean, I remember that that never occurred to me, whether it was a legitimate athletic competition or whether it was entertainment or whether it was sports entertainment. I mean, it never it never mattered to me. And so seeing them, you know, I, I wasn't sitting there going, oh, hey, he's not really hitting him that hard. It just it, – it didn't even occur to me. I was just sitting there, and I was watching – Kamala and The Undertaker, and I was watching Papa Shango, and I was watching Bret Hart and the British Bulldog, and Macho Man versus The Ultimate Warrior, and here comes Ric Flair, and I was seeing it all in person, and my tiny little eight-year-old mind was just blown, and I I mean, I've never looked back since. Do you still have that ticket stub? I have it somewhere. I don't know. I can't, I couldn't pull it out and show it to you right now, but there's absolutely no way it was thrown out it, it's among you know the the boxes and bags and stacks of wrestling paraphernalia that has been saved for my entire life all right and uh when was the first time that you interacted with a physically interacted with a wrestler like as whether it's an autograph i know you have a lot of old photos that you show on social media of you meeting wrestlers but who was the first and what kind of impact did they have on you that was another one. That was, you know, they would do, even when I was back living on the East Coast, you know, WrestleMania 10 was at Madison Square Garden. I was back living in New York, but I had never been to a show at Madison Square Garden. I didn't go to WrestleMania 10. You know, they had this fan fest going on. That was before Access. It was like the, 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 the early version of it, the early incarnation of it. But it was still so far out of the realm of reality even then that I didn't go to that. My parents didn't like to take me to things that were overly crowded. They didn't want to drive into the city. They, you know, they had every excuse in the book. But I lived in Westchester, and there was this store that was doing an autograph signing with Doink the Clown. And what's amazing is that, you know, you think back and you're going, okay, you know, this is probably 94. It's probably a fake, you know, indie guy that they just dressed up as Doink the Clown to trick a bunch of kids. And I still have the photo. It was the first wrestler that I met in person. And and I got a photo and I got an autograph and, and you know, said a hello and everything. And it really was. It was Matt Bourne, for real, for real, as Doink the Clown. And I think it was just as... ...had left WWE... And Ray Apollo had taken over the Doink gimmick, so Matt Bourne was able to take these independent bookings, and it was just some it was a it was some sports club here in Westchester that had booked Doink the Clown to just come in and do an autograph signing. So Matt Bourne 
Doink the Clown, the real Doink the Clown, mm-hmm. was my first uh, my first meeting and and autograph signing and everything. All right, and then over the years since, you know, you've interviewed a lot of uh, pro wrestlers over the years. A lot of them, probably a lot of them that you looked up to, like you mentioned. But now, you know, being working for the WWE, doing these pre-show panels, or or you know, getting to know the guys like Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, uh, Corey Graves. Has that kind of changed your perspective or how you look at the business? I mean, you know, a lot of things that, you know, when you see it, you mentioned seeing it up close and seeing things, you know, how the magic is made, you're kind of seeing that backstage. But how has that kind of changed the way you kind of see yourself as a fan or has it, you'd say? I mean, I think the only way to change my perspective is maybe there are, are slight things that I appreciate a little bit more. You know, it, it, it's the it's the little things that I see – you know, work being put into, whether it's the way a story is being told or the way, you know, it kind of, some of the moves, that, and when I say moves, I don't mean wrestling moves. I mean the directions uh, that things go in, they make a little bit more sense in terms of like, okay, I see what maybe they're going for here, but I haven't really changed as a fan. You know, I still, I, I still watch every Raw, I still watch every SmackDown, I still watch every NXT, I watch every pay-per-view, whether I'm on the kickoff show or not, whether I'm watching there or I'm watching at home. You know, I mean, if you're in the arena when I'm doing the kickoff show, odds are you'll see me by myself wandering around the arena floor while the pay-per-view is happening because I'm sitting there going like, oh my God, I can't believe I get to now just watch this pay-per-view. I get this backstage pass. I'm going to go watch on the floor and, and see it. You know, and I think that that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I, the WWE asks me to do the kickoff shows is because they want somebody who's a fan and an outsider. You know, I don't think that, I, I think that there's so many great talented announcers and hosts and broadcasters that are in WWE that they don't need another body. I think the reason that they have me there is because they know that, you know, the closer that I get to this company, the more I become a fan of it. And, and none of that's changing. You know, I still have a gold dust ring worn outfit that's in my studio with me right now. As I talk to you, I still have all my Hasbro figures up on the shelf. I still buy Mattel figures from target. I still, you know, order stuff on WWE shop and, and subscribe to the network and pay for it and everything. It's, it's, it's my fandom and my passion for it hasn't changed at all. And I think that that's, that's, you know, part of the reason why I I can add the perspective that I can to the kickoff shows. Mm -hmm. And I think the big one of us moments that we all had was seeing you at WrestleMania and Peter Rosenberg at WrestleMania. But, you know, now doing this for as long as you've done every month uh, and doing other specials and things like that, and then knowing your background and knowing your career, um, what would you say you've gained, you know, from experience-wise of having guys, uh, like, I don't know what kind of advice, like, you could share some of the best advice that you've gotten from, like, a Vince McMahon or, or Michael Cole or someone within there with that universe that you've kind of taken from there and, and put in your own radio, sh- uh, your own show on SiriusXM. Well, I mean, what I really take away, and the people that I work most closely with the most often are Michael Cole and uh, uh, Mike Mansuri and watching those guys work. And it's really, I mean, it's the passion. Both those guys have been in the company 
for a really long time. I mean, you, you know how long, everybody knows how long Michael Cole has been there, but Mike Mansuri has been there for, uh, I mean, a, hu- a hugely long time as well. And seeing the passion that they have for everything that goes on in WWE and the, the, the painstaking detail that goes into everything, the fact that after decades of working for a company and doing, you know, the shows over and over and over again, they're not lazy. You know what I mean? They're not just calling it in. They're sitting there and they're constantly trying to make everything better. And I mean, even as the live show is going on, they're sitting there trying to make everything the best thing possible. And if they come up with an idea while the show is on saying, thinking, you know what, it would be better if we did this, then we'll change it on the fly and make it better. Uh, and, and the way they communicate with all members of, of the, uh, all the different departments in the WWE to make sure that everything and everyone comes across uh, as best possible. That's really what I take away and try to bring to, you know, doing my show on Sirius and the other stuff that I do is this idea of, you know, just giving it your all every single time and looking at the people around you and recognizing what they're good at and trying to highlight that in people and, and really trying to bring that out in them and, and, try to make it so that that energy of making it so that you just do it and give it your all every single time is contagious. Cause if you can do that and everybody around you shares that attitude, it becomes really difficult to not put out a great product. Okay. And um, lastly, uh, just, you know, with WrestleMania coming up again, um, I'm certain sure that you're probably busy. If you could just let us know uh, what your what your plans are at the moment with WWE and your WrestleMania coverage in general, and then also, does it mean more to you that it's in your own backyard and you're actually working for the company around? It's like a come circle moment for you. I mean, definitely. There's so many of those moments. It's amazing. You know, you talk about uh, uh, Peter Rosenberg. Uh, and me showing up at WrestleMania and the first WrestleMania that he and I did together was WrestleMania 33, which was in Orlando. And I believe that I was, you were with us at WrestleMania 24 in Orlando, right? Weren't you on that trip with us? Yeah. Yeah. I was there for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, WrestleMania 24 was actually where I first met Peter at WrestleMania sitting there as a member of the media, but you know, sitting in the stands as a fan and so nine years later to come back to that building with Peter and the two of us kind of be there, it was, that was, that was a really amazing full circle <laughs> moment. But yeah, I, I, I remember I was there for WrestleMania 29 at MetLife stadium and I was sitting in, in, you know, the media suite. And that was a huge moment for me because WrestleMania 29 was when I really started to pick up some of the media opportunities. And that was the first WrestleMania that I did radio row and started to get to do a whole bunch of interviews. And I, I really felt like I can't believe I'm getting to interview all these guys. And this is so amazing. So the idea that six years later I get to come back to MetLife stadium and, you know, be any kind of a part of WrestleMania. It's, it's one of the most pinch me moments you could ever ask for, but yeah, I mean, I'll be, I'll be doing stuff on the, WrestleMania kickoff show and I'll be doing stuff on the uh, NXT takeover New York pre-show uh, and then and now of course I'll be going to the Hall of Fame and and in the downtime I'm sure I'll be at access and I'm sure I'm going to try to make time to to see all the other stuff that's going on 
in and around New York City uh, that whole weekend. Because And really, it becomes a whole week. Because realistically, everything starts on Wednesday and keeps going until the next Tuesday. So it really is a full week um, of stuff just all over New York. Yeah, so I can't wait for it. That's awesome. All right, well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we got to talk after. You know, it seems like we always run into each other at 2K events or, or some WWE events. So it's great to see kind of how far you've come and evolved and, and seeing you on TV on, at these shows. So congratulations on all that. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks. And I, I, I mean, like I said at the at the 2K event, I love that, you know, after all the years, you and I are the – are the are the last two guys still standing, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Um, busy, exciting time heading into WrestleMania week this year in our backyard of, uh, of New York, New Jersey, with MetLife Stadium and Barclays and, and everything else that is, you know, sort of our backyard and our home of the WWE. Um, this is an exciting card, and I know I say that a lot. The challenge is to always get to where you can top what you've done before, but I really um, feel like this is one of the biggest uh, shows we've ever done. Top to bottom just feels uh, special, and you know that's really saying something coming out of the situation with Tommaso Ciampa and uh, an unfortunate you know, situation of a speeding up of an injury that, that needed to be taken care of and us having to sort of uh, re-chart a course uh, this close to the event. But it speaks to the depth of the talent and everything else um, and, and their passion and commitment that we can do it in a seamless manner. And while I hate the fact that uh, Johnny and Tommaso are not being able to pay off what has been a very long emotional storyline ride for them. Uh, it, it is what it is, and we uh, will head in a different direction that feels uh, honestly epic in this moment. I know I use that word a lot here, but it just does. It feels uh, it was a moment where at the end of that taping, Michael Hayes and, and Shawn Michaels and I looked at each other and said, wow, it, just, it feels almost just as big. So, um, excited about it. Obviously, the Johnny Gargano Adam Cole match, two out of three falls for the NXT Championship. In the women's, uh, just four of the most talented women in the industry, period. Uh, Bianca Belair, Shayna Baszler, who has just, uh, you know, changed the entire landscape for me of, of NXT and the women's division. And then Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai, who just, you can't say enough good stuff about them. For the UK Championship, Pete Dunne, who has just, you know, exemplifies that brand and has an unbelievable future. And Walter, new to us, but obviously uh, big impact. And uh, that's a match that I'm looking forward to being something special. For the North American Championship, Velveteen Dream versus Matt Riddle. Two unbelievable performers, definitely the future of the business, period. Um, and then the NXT Tag Team Championship match between the War Raiders and Aleister Black, Ricochet, who have been on a tear even on the main roster on both Raw and SmackDown as of late, uh, doing sort of triple duty, uh, so to speak. It should be an epic card. I can go down that card and say uh, 
I could make a prediction that every single one of them steals the night, possibly the week. So uh, with that said, I'll open it up to calls to you because this is just an exciting week uh, for the NXT brand that I, uh, I just can't wait to, to get into. So let's open it up. All right, everybody, usual rules apply. One question and one follow-up, please, per outlet. If you wish to ask a question at this time, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone. Your telephone is switched off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. We'll take our first question from Brian Fritz of Sporting News. Please go ahead. Hey, Paul, thanks again for doing this. Sure, man, thank you. Uh, what's... I wanted to talk about Tommaso Ciampa because I think uh, some people, I know I was a little bit surprised to see him debut on the main roster in February. And the timing that went into that, there was already some talk that he was injured. I don't think we knew the severity of it. So what went into the decision of having him go to the main roster at that time? And what was known about his injury at that time? Because looking back in hindsight, it seems kind of strange now knowing that he needed surgery. Yeah, so it was – obviously, we knew about it. We knew that that was going to be a, an opportunity uh, – not an opportunity, but a, a, nece- a necessity going forward. But the decision was still made that let's let's do this um, with the main roster. Let's give him that exposure. Um, he'll take some time off. We'll, we'll use that in whatever way we can. He'll take the time off, get fixed up, and be back and be better than ever. Um, and and – uh, you know, and move forward from there. Unfortunately, you know, with, with the type of injury he had, it went from one thing to another very rapidly, and um, we couldn't wait. It it sort of changed from being something that was manageable to being something that, that we we just you know this is not some, a risk we're willing to take for anything. So uh, we just moved to him immediately doing the surgery at that point in time and starting on the road to recovery. So. Um, a lot of thought put into all the conversations, but clearly something we knew about, and um, there, there was a plan for him on on all aspects of it, in, including the, you know, he's going to need to take some time off down the road here very soon to to get this fixed. So basically, was the plan just, hey, we think we can get him through takeover, but then once doctors looked at him a little bit closer, they said, hey, this is something that needs to be taken care of. Right now, this is serious, and he cannot wrestle until, you know, this is settled and come to find out that he was going to be on the shelf longer than you anticipated. Well, no. So we knew the length of time probably that it was going to take for a return anyways. But um, as as you're looking at this, right, like there are certain things that are manageable and and you can manage the situation and there's no there's no risk, no damage, no anything. You're, you're just managing the the symptoms and the situation and getting to where you want to have you know it's something that you're going to have to take care of eventually right um then that situation changed it just instead of being manageable it progressively got worse um as soon as we saw it progressively getting worse we realized the situation was not something that was manageable for us um and for him and we made the decision to or you know with him obviously uh to go in the direction that we did we will now take our next question from Mike Johnson of PWInsider.com. Please go ahead. Hey, hey, Paul. How hey, are Mike, you? So close to first. You're not first, you're last, Mike. It happens. Um, I wanted to talk about <laughs> I wanted to talk about the ripple effect of the Champa injury. In that, obviously, there was a plan in place for Johnny Gargano. While we've seen Alistair Black and Ricochet on the main roster, 
Gargano's kind of disappeared from Raw and SmackDown. Um, was there a decision made to rescind him being called up because of the Ciampa deal, maybe to p- try and preserve the storyline for later on? And, uh, you know, how much of a how much of a preparation and, and, and change in preparation happens when you know there are people who are leaving and suddenly now they're back on the NXT brand? Oh, yeah, no, that's definitely, um, yeah, from the NXT standpoint, it was a, a full-on creative shift. Um, th- from a, w- once once the Ciampa injury takes place and we realize that we have to reboot some things, then there are a lot of thoughts and ideas that come out of it, and then those decisions are made, right? And um, they involved a lot of different things from, Gargano's main roster opportunity to NXT's opportunities, everything else. So a lot of different things are thrown out there and then they're discussed and we pick the direction that we did and where it goes from here, you know, obviously what you'll, you will have to wait and see, but um, a lot of thought and I did, you know, effort and ideas go into that. There's a lot of things that are thrown around and like ideas in different directions to go. And then you, you know, obviously you determine the best one. What's that conversation? What's that conversation like with Vince McMahon, where it's, hey, I know you want Gargano, but we need him and you can't have him yet. Look, like, how does that conversation go down? Is it, is it more of an argument? Is it more of a debate, or how how does how does that conversation flow? No, that's not a conversation at all. Where I go, like, you can't have him. You know, all of this stuff, and and this is where I think people get. confused about the relationship. None of this stuff happens without Vince's sign off or approval in some manner, right? Like he is, it's, it's, it's all, it's all one team and it's all for the betterment of, and the talent in general, right? So it's not about, well, this or that, or, you know, NXT needs this, you can't have that. And we need this and we're going to take it from you. So you can't have that. It's not that at all. It's a creative uh, synergy between both. Um, You know, when something unfortunate, whether it's this situation or any other, uh, you know, in our business, that's just the reality. Things happen. And, and when they happen, everybody has to sit down, come up with a whole bunch of different suggestions about different ways to go and how to get around this and solve it and, and do it in the best manner possible. I often say that sometimes the best things come out of that chaos, like right? chaos for whatever reason, sometimes creates this beautiful storyline. And, um, some of the, the storylines that have happened over time that I think are ones that are the, the best ones came out of, we were planning to go here, then some unfortunate series of events happen and you go like, oh, well, we have to reboot, but what if we did this? Oh my God, that's even better. Like, you know, it just, it, it just happens that way. Um, it's an internal conversation about what is best for everyone. Um, and it's just reasonably talked about. We all make decisions and, and obviously they're dominoes. So they affect everything. What, you know, um, affected raw, it affected SmackDown. It affected, uh, where they were thinking about going. Then that affected NXT and where we were thinking about going. So it's just kind of a, a reshift. You come up with a bunch of different ideas and everybody uh, gets to a point where we all sign off on them. And Vince goes, absolutely. This sounds great. Good plan. Here we go. All right. Thanks for the time. We will now take our next question from Lyle Kerr of Daily Mirror. Please go ahead. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining us today. 
Thank you. So um, this January WWE Open Day Performance Centre in London, what's your assessment of the progress of the UK Centre and are you able to monitor the British talent easily from the US? Yeah, so you know we get feedback on them all the time, and obviously I'm watching them progress in the show. It's it's been um, it's been really great for us so far, and the difference in the talent uh, on their ability to execute things from a television standpoint and from a distribution standpoint that they weren't able to do before. Every time we're there, uh, I see improvements in them. I see improvements in them. It's uh, funny, I just got a, a candid photo from uh, one of the talents the other day. They just all had some time off. They're all at a beach together, and they all uh, t- took a photo and sent it from the beach. And, and uh, you know, they all were in phenomenal shape. A bunch of guys that weren't in phenomenal shape uh, necessarily six months ago. Um, and it, it was a thing for me where, like, well, the strength and conditioning, the programming and sending it to these guys and, and having them uh, – you know, participate in that is really paying off for them, which is going to help their careers long term. You know, not just aesthetically, but like it, it helps the better shape you're in, the lo- more durability you have, right? The 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 better for your career and, and helping you stay hopefully injury free. Um, all those things are the the benefits of everything we're doing, and you know, it, it's it's been paying off dividends. But the also there's a lot of unseen payoffs that that. Performance Center will have for us in the long term, um, which you'll be able to see over the next few years as time goes on as well. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, alongside NXT TakeOver next weekend, you'll also be putting your career on the line in a no-holds-barred match against Batista. The two of you have battled yeah. numerous times in the past, including at WrestleMania. What will be different about this encounter? Um you know, I think that when you get to what what's different for for both of us, I think at this point in time is doing this much for the enjoyment of doing it is a, a different than the uh, what we were doing it for then. I think that our ability to sit back and enjoy it, but that's from us on a personal standpoint. Um, it's a you know an opportunity for Dave to finish out the way he wanted to finish out his career and his run. And as Dave has gone on and become a movie star in his own right and um, done a lot of big things, I think it was important for him to have sort of this closure and, and kind of come back and live that one more moment. And, uh, you know, he he was something that he's wanted to do for a few years and he's really excited to do it. And I'm excited that he asked me to do it with him and, 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 uh, and have the opportunity to do it. Um, Hopefully, we're going to be able to go out there and be intense and deliver something that um, fans, whether new fans or whether fans from that period of time, um, enjoy. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. We will now take our next question from Jason Powell of ProWrestling.net. Please go ahead. Yeah, hey, Jason. Paul, with, with the uh, SmackDown taping, or just SmackDown in general, I should say, moving to Fridays in October, that's obviously going to change the WrestleMania schedule going forward. If you have your way, would you rather hold the TakeOver show on the Thursday or Saturday next year? Well, I think uh, from a live event standpoint and from, I mean, just speaking off the top of my head, like I think that a, a weekend, just just from a 
as people go to events and watch things uh, on the network and everything a Saturday is probably better than a Thursday. But obviously that's something we're working through now of the dates and when things will uh, be and be on sale. The, the, the shift to SmackDown to, to Fridays um, and being on Fox and broadcast and everything, it, it fundamentally shifts a lot of things for us. So that's all stuff we've been doing a lot of work on since the moment that deal was announced um, and we'll do it right probably to and beyond the moment we uh, do that first show. It, it's going to change a lot of what we do, and, and there's a lot of work to be done on, on what that means. And also with Sasha and Bayley saying they'll defend the WWE women's tag titles against NXT talent, is that an indication that we won't be seeing NXT women's tag titles anytime soon? Um. I, I again, I would say never say never in this scenario. But right now, where you have the ability to, for those tag titles to run across all brands, if it stays that way, um, then I'm I'm not sure uh, you would have the need for it. But we would see. You know, it, a lot of times it comes down to uh, having a depth of a roster to be able to have a singles and a tag division and you know, and everything else and, and not have it be just one or two teams and randomly put together groups or whatever it is. So we would want to make sure that we have the the depth of talent and everything else to be able to deliver uh, to all the brands, if, if they have tag titles, if they don't, whatever that is, but to be able to deliver on all levels to all of them um, and, and making sure you can do that before you just say, oh, wouldn't it be neat to have tag titles, you know? Very good. Have fun at the Hall of Fame. Thank you. We will now take our next question from Jim Barcelona of Miami Herald. Please go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Hey, as the NXT brand has grown, have the numbers increased in the amount of signees these days at the Performance Center from the early days at the center? I'm, I'm, in which way do you mean? How, how many people are there? Correct, and the amount of talent and signees that are there from the early days compared to now since the brand has grown. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, um, we we it, obviously it shifts depending on, you know, uh, as we're having tryouts and bringing new people in and recruiting, and, and you know, we just got done a, a, a large tryout in India that had about 75 talent at it. Um, we have another coming up in China um, as we're – you know, bringing in talent from all over the globe as we're continuing to build a pipeline in. Some are continuing to go out. Some don't make it. Some continue to, you know, get called up to, to Raw or to SmackDown or, or to shift even, you know, and that will happen more and more over time to shift to the UK or to shift to hopefully other brands down the line. Um, the ability to be able to move it all around. But, you know, the Performance Center has grown. It's We have uh, at any given time in the ballpark of a little under a hundred talent, um, in the facility there. And then you have, you know, another 30, 40 in, in the UK. Um, so it's, it's grown exponentially. A large percentage of that is international. You know, I think 45% somewhere around that is, is international from 22 different countries. And so there's a, a lot of mix there, but, um, you know, it's, it's constantly trying to evaluate the pipeline of, people that have a level of experience and I don't necessarily mean they necessarily came in with experience. They might've come been homegrown, but they get to a level where they have now had the experience that they're at the upper deck or 
or in between. So you want to have the, the experience that are sort of NXT talent that are on TV all the time. You want to have that kind of next level that's waiting to, to have the spot open up on NXT. You want to have a, a group below that that's waiting for that spot, and then a group below that that's just kind of getting started and, and trying to learn learn the ropes. It takes time to do this, and, and um, constantly having that developmental pipeline of beginner all the way through to, to – um, you know, to to doing what they do at takeovers and and being a top talent in the world. So you always want to kind of have that mix, but it has grown exponentially. Um, in some ways, the building is full. Yes. You know, Paul. And with that, have there been talks of increasing the number of house shows, working more with Evolve and even other groups, or even considering developing another brand? in the States. Yeah. So I think that as we, obviously that's stuff that we want to evaluate obviously all the time as we move forward. Um, you know, NXT itself in the U S does somewhere in the ballpark of a little under 200 live events a year, um, between Florida. And is there room for growth on that? Yeah. We also want to make sure though, that it is, uh, done in a way that is, uh, profitable and not, uh, you know, obviously a drain or anything else. And, and NXT is a profitable brand from the standpoint of their live events and everything else. So, you know, we, 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 you constantly want to evaluate that and then make sure that you have the enough talent as call-ups happen and everything else that you have enough to support all those things. Um, all of that is constantly being evaluated, whether that's additional brands, whether that's, you know, you, you see us working with Evolve or others, Progress, ICW internationally, um, you know, those those talent opportunities and it's constantly being evaluated. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Jim. We will now take our next question from Sean Rostap of Fightful. Please go ahead. Hey, Paul. Thanks for doing this. Hey, Sean. Uh, we saw we saw that you uh, brought in Stokely Hathaway, and he, he's got a new name now. But managers being brought into the Performance Center. Uh, maybe talk to me about the the mindset of that how they fit into the performance center experience and maybe what kind of impression he's made on you so far. Um, well, he's obviously made an impression. He wouldn't be there. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I think that at, as the business changes and evolves and you see um, different talent coming in and out, I know there's been a, you know, a, I've heard, you know, chatter for a long time about managers and I think, Things are cyclical. They go away. They come back. I think the ability to have management around talent or to have mouthpieces or however you want to say it. Um, when when you start to talk about international talent and, uh, you know, you, you bring in a talent that doesn't speak the language of, you know, English and you're trying to move them into a U.S. product or anything else, uh, the, the language is important, being able to speak and, and perform and talk people into seats and to to promote and do everything else is very important. Um, not everybody can do that. Not everybody's going to learn that skill, and that, that's something that takes a long time. Learning a second language um, is not easy, um, and we do that with a lot of our talent, whether that's they speak English and we're teaching them another language or vice versa, but um, it's it doesn't change the fact that it's important. So having people like a Stokely or – um, you know, Robbie or d different people that can do uh, not only 
management uh, from a character standpoint or be able to deliver that. They can do a lot of other things and they bring a lot of value to the table other than just, hey, I'm just uh, there to be a mouthpiece for this person. Also, with, with the move to Friday night for this NXT, are, are there any maybe logistical hurdles that you all face in doing that that maybe people wouldn't understand or, or notice upon first glance? Well, I, I think that it it sort of changes the dynamic of, you know, back-to-back televisions in the same place. And i just give you an example of that as we go to Europe and we do two TV shows back-to-back in London or something like that. Um, we do it here. It, it changes that because now it's Friday and Monday. It's not back-to-back anymore. It changes the dynamic of a lot of different things. And... Um, it's it's really almost the best thing you can do at that point is just, you know, you still have to have your plans of the day-to-day going forward, but then to get in a different room, take a clean sheet of paper and say, okay, now what? what, what let's start over and look at this all over again. And, and really that's what we're doing. We're constantly, the one thing that people don't give Vince, I think sometimes a lot of credit for is his ability to shift and morph and um, become uh what is needed in the time and reimagining everything is one of his biggest skill sets. And to be able to go back in and say, okay, he is not afraid to, I'll just use this as an example. He's not afraid to look at the pay-per-view revenue model and say, we're going to rip this up and we're going to start over and we're going to go with an OTT network and we're going to change our entire business model. Um, He'll gamble on himself. He's not, he's just, he's not afraid to look at everything and say, we, okay, we need to reboot this whole thing and start over and take a clean sheet of paper and start with it. He is a big saying, first day on the job. Um, if you came in with fresh eyes and looked at everything, would you do it that way? Or would first day on the job, would you do it differently? Because the truth is, it, it stuff shifts every day. And there are lots of things you just do in your life because that's how you always done them, even though there might be better ways to do it. So constantly looking at that and that's he's ingrained that in the entire company and that's what we're doing in this moment as well you know um and that will be a big part of the reason why it's all successful thank you paul thank you we will now take our next question from alex mccarthy of talk sport please go ahead thanks very much for doing this today Sure. Um, so we've got Walter and Pete Dunn squaring off for the NXT UK title at TakeOver. Um, you know, some might say that would have been a fantastic main event for an NXT UK TakeOver too. Can you give us any indications on the next NXT UK TakeOver or what the plan will be in regards to how many and how often? Because it appeared as if the first one was a huge success across the board. Yeah, um, there'll be announcements coming up on that shortly. I don't want to step on my own announcements. So, um, yeah, we'll be we'll be you know um, making some some announcements going forward on on that brand and and uh, taking it into the future. You know, the the, the one thing that I, I wish I could give them more exposure in this weekend, but it's such a big weekend, um, and these things are planned a year or so in advance, right? Of the the dates that you have to work with and everything else. But being in New York, I wanted to showcase that, that UK brand. Um, and the Pete Walter match was a perfect opportunity to do that. Um, you're, you're right. It would have been an epic uh, match for over there. 
um, and in some way doesn't mean it won't still be or or and whatever we do next there will be epic but we'll we'll have some announcements coming up on that soon great and um you know we've got five matches to take over cards uh that all look fantastic uh for wrestlemania 35 i believe there's 13 announced thus far you know you'll be directing traffic on saturday but performing on sunday as a man who can see both sides would a card like mania benefit from less matches and more time like nxt does uh you know i suppose you can see it both ways yeah look it's um that that's a that's a constant battle of giving everybody everything that WrestleMania needs to be, making it important, making everybody have, you know, something to do. If you leave somebody off the card or you don't put this on there, you know, people will say it's uh, disrespectful or how could they not involve this in the card? But then again, you need to have something for everybody and you need to have it be a reasonable I guess, length of time, like there's so many factors that go into all of this and we're constantly evaluating all of them. Um, You know, I I like the way takeovers feel and sit. I like leaving them wanting a bit more with that brand um, when you get to the end and and feeling like you man, everything was epic and it was, but it wasn't too much. And, uh, you know, but then again, you know, WrestleMania, it's the biggest show that there is. It's, you know, be 75,000 people in MetLife Stadium or so and you know it it'll it's epic and it needs to feel that way and I think it's um hopefully it'll all deliver it but that's a constant thing that we evaluate and look at um on every level Right thank you very much Paul We will now take our next question from Ryan Satin of Pro Wrestling Sheets please go ahead Hey, Paul, how's it going? Hey, Ryan. I'm good. How are you? I am great. Thank you for asking. So, uh, on TV, it seemed like you guys were heading towards Dijakovic versus Dijakovic versus Keith Lee. And then some reports came out that Keith Lee is dealing with some sort of undisclosed injury. Can you talk about that at all? I mean, is it something that's serious? Is he out, is he out for a while? No, it, we just had, you know, look, there's, there's constantly – uh, things that shift and morph and and uh, require us to take different different stabs at creative. Um, this is one of those situations. Um, I want to get into his, any of the medical stuff, but yeah, it's, it's a it. We had to put a pause on it for a second. I wish we could have it in, you know, have that exposure in New York, but it won't be. But it, we'll we'll uh, we'll continue it, move it down the line, and and uh, get it where it needs to be. It, that's a constant in the business. You're constantly there's, you know, there's, there's issues. It just is what it is. So, so was it because of the injury, or was it because of creative? No, we had we had a situation. We we had a situation that made us change some creative. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and then lastly, I was wondering um, with Alistair Black and Ricochet, since they've been going back and forth between the main roster and NXT. If they were to lose the tag team title match, would this possibly be their last? takeover event or would they still be going back and forth between the two i think that is to be determined um you know the the nights following uh wrestlemania and uh and beyond you know i think you see that some of the the call-ups right now 
there, there's a crisscrossing of stuff that is taking place. I think some of that will settle down after WrestleMania a little bit, but it's not. nothing has been written in stone as to where anybody goes, lands, or does anything otherwise. So uh, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. Makes sense. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, next question will be the last call. We will now take our next final question from Nick Hausman of Wrestling Inc. Please go ahead. Hi, Paul. Thank you very much for taking the hey, time man. today. Yes, hello. Um, I'll start. Uh, I want to start by asking about uh, NXT star Lars Sullivan. Is there any update on him and if he'll return to NXT or possibly pop up on uh, WWE TV like he uh, was advertised for? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that is one of those situations where I will just say you have to wait and see. Uh, in this situation, um, there's there's much more to come. Uh, it's just a wait and see. Okay, and then uh, lastly here, I wanted to ask you about Sean Waltman. I know he was a guest trainer down at the Performance Center. Uh, how'd he do? Uh, where do you see Sean in the mix here after uh, the Hall of Fame? So we're constantly bringing in talent as we continue to evolve and grow and as we're, you know, uh, building performance centers and brands and everything else under the sun, um, having people that can uh, – have a wealth of knowledge for this is a constant. We're constantly looking for that. We're constantly looking for coaches, constantly looking for producers, constantly looking for people that can help us um, evolve and take the brand to the next level. He did extremely well, uh, but we, we, you know, we bring a lot of people in and out. Uh, the time will see the, the future. We'll see where things go. Um, you know, f- for him, for everybody else, there's a lot of factors that go into um, being in in our you know in a, in the system whether that's being a producer main roster whether that's being in in the pc whether that's any of it there's a certain culture and everything else that goes along with it and we want to stay true to that and where we see where people come in we see what their skill sets are we see where they can fit and what they have interest in doing and what they're you know sometimes we bring in somebody that comes in as a guest coach and that's what they're looking to do come in as a guest coach come in for a week you know, impart some of their wisdom that they have on talent and then uh, go home and then, you know, bring them back a month or two later and they can impart some more wisdom and, and talk to talent again. It, it really depends on what people are looking for. How do they want to be a part of it? Um, and where can we use them? So it's, it's a constant evaluation process, but he did great. It was great to see him. Of course, yeah. it was like old home days. I, they were the day I walked in there and, uh, Sean Waltman was there, and uh, I turned the corner, and of course there was Sean. And then uh, two seconds later, Scott Hall walked in the door because he was shooting something with Sean around the ladder match from WrestleMania 10. And um, yeah, it was like old home days for a minute. Yeah, that's that's like the click has taken over the performance center. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and felt that way for a minute. That's cool. All right, well, thank you so much for the time, Paul. Thank you very much. Hey right, everybody, we're going to wrap up the call. Um, you know, thank you guys again for your involvement in this. I look forward to this. Uh, I know there was a lot of conversation today, obviously, around uh, Tommaso and, and you know, the, the injury and, um, you know, un- unfortunate. And, and I, I can't say enough good stuff about him and his work ethic, the leader he's become in, in, the, in the, the system and everything else, as much as you'll hate me saying that because he wants everybody to think he's a bad guy. Uh, but, um, you know, we move forward and, and, but that was talked about a lot. I just want to reiterate the, the level of everybody that are on this card and, 
you know, the Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, two out of three falls taking place there. But the 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 level of talent in the women's match, Bianca, Shayna, Kyrie, Io, Pete and Walter coming over from the UK, Velveteen and Riddle, the War Raiders, Alistair and Ricochet. It's just a, a, a top to bottom epic card that, you know, we go into Barclays Center, which for us kind of was the launching point of, I feel like the next level of the NXT brand. So it's sort of, even though New York is always WWE's backyard and our home Barclays is NXT truly is its its home um, in some manner. And um, it's exciting to be able to go there and put on this level of show and uh, set the tone for what is sure to be an epic week and weekend. Um, and then that will take us on the flip side of that to going to San Jose on June 8th uh, at the SJSU event center there. And that is a place that before we were even doing takeovers, we kind of did the first WrestleMania weekend event where we were just kind of testing the waters um, and it sold out and, and, you know, became this epic event um, that really, I think, set the brand in motion. So I'm really excited to go back there on, on June 8th, separate from everything else. No, no other uh, pay-per-views around it and just really go in there and, um, and, and kind of put on an event that is epic, but also says thank you to that, uh, to that location for, for getting us off to such a great start. So with that said, I will see everybody at WrestleMania. Hopefully, hopefully after the show, we'll have be having a conversation about how epic it was. And, um, I look forward to seeing everybody there. Thank you for the time. At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome to the Winkley, one of the co-hosts of Busted Open Radio. It is our good friend, David LaGreca. Dave, thank you so much for joining me here today. Of course, man. What's up, Nick? How are you? I'm good, buddy. How is it in New York? Is everything... Uh, I, I, I'm asking genuinely because I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to dress for the occasion. Like, how is New York right now? Um, it's it's cold right now, but supposedly by the time we get to the weekend, it's going to be in the 60s, so you should be okay. You think we're going to have pretty weather for WrestleMania? I hate to do, like, Groundhog's Day style and put you on the spot, Bill Murray, you know, on all that, but, you know, what's the weather report here? You think we're going to be hoodie the, weather? The, pro- the projection is during the day, it's going to be in the 60s, and probably by the time we get to the main event, it's going to be in, like, about 51, 52 degrees. Wow, this is a hot start to the interview. Thanks, Dave. Hey, um, <laughs> you know, I'm excited uh, to, to, to see you WrestleMania weekend. You were nice enough to invite me to the Busted Open 10-year anniversary party. Tell me about what this party means to you. I mean, 10 years of Busted Open radio. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's, it's the 10 years. It's just it's been a labor of love, and, and to start this, back 10 years ago with Doug Mortman, who's going to be there at our 10-year anniversary party. He doesn't host on the show anymore, but uh, you'll definitely see him on Saturday, April 6th. But this has just been, as a fan, this has been a dream come true. Nick, you know, you know, working this, in this profession, we were both fans, and I still consider myself a fan first and foremost. I kind of give the fans perspective on the show. And, and now working with Bully Ray and Mark Henry and Tommy Dreamer, I, I couldn't ask for better co-hosts right now. It's just, it's been an absolutely fantastic run, and I can't wait to celebrate with our fans the Busted Open Nation on Saturday. And I'm glad, and Nick Moore, first and foremost, I'm glad you're going to be there, man. Oh, 
Nick, you know, I'm the big draw, uh, obviously, for Busted Open Tinder. Yes. <laughs> the big draw, you know. Um, maybe I can maybe I can tell people the email address. They can send me their writing samples and resume. That seems to be the most common advice I give to anybody anymore. I'm just like, here's the email address. If Raj likes it, you can come work at the site. Um, <laughs> um, this is now. Here's the thing: you really have a murderous row there of co-hosts. I mean, Dreamer, Mark Henry, Bully Ray. You guys have great chemistry. Uh, you know, you've been at this for a while now. You talk about how you you're still a fan, but you're pretty ingrained in the business now. Over the past ten years, what are the biggest things you've learned about pro wrestling that you did not expect to learn? Honestly, is what a close knit family that they are. Um, that surprised me because I, I've dealt with a lot of sports before. I, I worked with the NFL for 13 years uh, before doing this show. And truly being a professional wrestler is a brotherhood. And that's something that really, really attracted me to doing this show. The other thing, too, more than any other athletic endeavor, whether it's the NBA, Major League Baseball, or the NFL, and you would know this, too, is that they truly are – great personalities, very, very personable, a very, very media friendly. It makes it so much easier to do this show uh, because you're dealing with people that really understand the business in and out. And uh, that's probably the biggest thing because I know working with the NFL, it's very, very difficult to get that type of access to certain players in the NFL. And it's so easy when it comes to the world of pro wrestling because they know it. I mean, being on the radio and is, is very much like being in the ring and being in front of the camera. You're putting on a show. So it's, 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 it's an easy transition. Who, what wrestlers have surprised you with the, how entertaining they were on interviews? Oh, geez. I know. <laughs> I know. Hard question. I mean, I, I mean, I'm just wondering that, because, you know, th there's some people over the years that have definitely caught me up by surprise where I'm like, you are far much, you are far much more fun to talk to than I could have expected, you know? Well, I'll tell you one that kind of surprised me is Enzo Amore. All and right. here's why. Okay. He's a local guy from Jersey, which is where I where I grew up and where I still live. I still live in New Jersey. And by the way, Nick, just so you know, WrestleMania is in New Jersey mm -hmm. on Sunday. It's mm -hmm. not New York. It's in New Jersey. I know Michael Cole and Corey Graves would love to make people believe it's in New York, but it's actually in New Jersey. But I, but I digress. Okay. Um, and I, I, I interviewed Enzo at SummerSlam one year, and I just told him that, hey, I'm a local kid from Jersey. I'm from Hawthorne. And then he completely berated me for 10 minutes on how bad uh, the Hawthorne Bears were what? and what a crappy town I lived in in Hawthorne. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, here I am. I thought I was going to connect with this guy because we're both northern New Jersey guys. And he completely undressed me for 10 minutes. And embarrass me in front of everyone. So that's probably one that sticks sticks in my head more than any other. How do you how do you how do you feel when wrestlers come into an interview and they're they're they don't drop the veil? It's more gimmick. It's, I find it harder for me as an interviewer to talk to somebody when they're in character and get genuine responses. If that makes sense. Well, I I got to be honest with you. I think that is Enzo. <laughs> okay, like I don't think he was in character. Okay. I think he was truly uh, just you know had a hatred for my hometown Jeez. and I, and and listen i've interviewed him many times after that and we're very cool um but uh yeah i i think i got the real end of that day you know you brought up how you used to work for the nfl or work with the nfl for 13 years um you know there was a there was a piece that came out on sunday night i don't know if you saw the john oliver piece 
um, where, mm-hmm. where he compared, you know, the treatment of WWE wrestlers to the way that the NFL players are treated now. Um, do you think there was merit to the discussion that he was having on Sunday night? Well, it's, you know, this has been a big discussion on Busted Open. So obviously I got Bully's take and I got Mark Henry's take. Right. And they thought the piece was off base. You know, Bully was very adamant about the fact that if you don't like a contract, you don't have to sign it. Um, and you know what you're getting into when you walk into that world of the WWE. And Mark pretty much had the same thing. And he said that some of what we saw on Sunday night was uneven. You know, there was there was videos and interviews uh, snippets from 15, 20 years ago. So he he thought it was a little unfair. And, you know, both of them thought that they were completely treated well um, with the WWE and had a very good relationship with Vince McMahon. Now, as a fan, I look at it a little bit different. And knowing other sports, I look at it a little bit different. And, you know, it, it just going from what Bully and Mark said, they, they seem to agree that it would be near impossible to be able to have a wrestler's union per se. And they, they really looked at the, the piece as a little unfair. So I kind of have to go with what they said, being employed by the company more than my perception as a fan. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, and it's 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 tough too to to listen to the wrestlers talk about it because you got to know WWE is listening to what they say. You know, and uh, true. I, you know, I, I I don't know. I, I I empathize with them because I do think that it is rough right now. Only having one place where you can truly make a living, like one company. Everywhere else, you got to patchwork together. You know, four, five, eighteen different companies. You know, to pay your bills. WWE really does kind of have the strong stranglehold right now on being that spot you can go to and make good money outside of like maybe New Japan, a couple guys in Ring of Honor. So uh, interesting. Well, that's the thing, Nick. I, I, Nick, I agree with you in the fact that like if you're presented with a contract and the WWE is offering you a contract, I mean, you know, are you going to say, hey, I, I don't agree to this? Now, some people probably can, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of wrestlers. Hey, this is their dream come true. Are they really going to? fire back and say, well, this paragraph or this page is unfair. I'm not going to sign this. You know, they, they might be just completely ripping up their dream. So it, it is, it is a catch 22. What might be fair to some people might be unfair to others. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's talk here a little bit, you know, cause bully is not working with WWE right now. He'll actually be uh, at the garden on, uh, on Saturday yep. night. He's got his open challenge. It's been answered by juice Robinson. Um, how is it? How is it working with Bully when he gets into the mode where he's like prepping for a big match like this? Do you notice a change in the guy? No, Bully's pretty much the same every day, okay. <laughs> and I mean, and I mean that in a good way. Listen, Bully is extremely strong, opinionated. Um, he 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 has his mindset, and it's hard for him to change. But he he is very very agreeable on things. He's as hard as you would imagine, but at sometimes he's a lot easier going than what you would imagine. Yeah. Um, I, I love Bully. I love working with Bully, and I'm very lucky, Nick, in that all three of these guys are are very very different, but they they're all the same in their foundation and their passion for pro wrestling. Like you know, Mark Henry's extremely personable, has a great sense of humor. Bully's extremely opinionated and breaks down things better than anybody else I've ever been on the radio with. And Tommy Dreamer is if you if I found out that my my mom cheated on my dad and Tommy was my brother, I would p- completely believe in it because I've never been with somebody that has the almost exact mindset when it comes to life 
than Tommy Dreamer. He really is my brother from another mother. So I enjoy working with all three guys. Yeah, what are your what are some of your favorite Tommy memories? Um, you know, on, on, <laughs> behind the curtain or in the ring? Like, what are your what are your Dreamer memories? Well, Tommy, Tommy's great in that whenever he does a WrestleCon, and by the way, Tommy will work anywhere. I mean, he just loves this business so much. He'll he'll wrestle in front of 20,000 people or he'll wrestle in front of 20 people. But in his travels, he loves old school pro wrestling just as much as I do. We're big fans of the, of the territory days of pro wrestling. So whenever he comes across a T-shirt, he always buys me a T-shirt. And he's also the same guy that at 2 o'clock in, in the morning will – send me a picture of one of the Mulkey brothers or, or, or send like some of, you know, some um, pro wrestler from, you know, the seventies that no one ever heard of. And be like, who is this? Like, and he thinks that I'm up 24 hours a day. And he thinks that I'm always thinking of pro wrestling. Cause I think Tommy's up 24 hours a day. And I think he's always thinking of pro wrestling. You know, I, the other guy you've got there, obviously, is Mark Henry. Now, I'm jealous. Uh, now, I'm jealous you get to talk to I love Tommy. Bully's always been great to me, but I've never got to talk to Actually, I think I may have exchanged words briefly with Mark at Wally Mania. But I'm, to this day, pretty convinced I was at either his first ever or one of his first ever WWF appearances at the Houston Summit when I was, like, eight um, back in the day. And I would love to pick his brain about that. I'm hoping to at the at the Busted Open party. Um, but one of the questions that – because recently one of our other contributors, Andy Malnoski, was in uh, a scrum with him. And they were like, what questions do you want to have for Mark Henry? What do you think about the idea of the Nation of Domination going into the Hall of Fame? Do you think that they deserve a spot in the Hall of Fame? Yes, I really do. I think it's long overdue. And the impact that they had – now, I know it wasn't for a long period of time, and that might be something that would go against them. But I, I really think if when you look at a lot of the factions, especially at that time – I think they definitely deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, man. And that make him a two-time Hall of Famer, like the rest of the guys, like Booker and Hunter and stuff. And I think he deserves it. And yeah, man, like when you talk about factions in the Attitude Era, I mean, Nation of Domination were like a central, they were like integral to so many things that happened in that period. They feuded with everybody. Yeah, and you look at it like, especially this year's class of the Hall of Fame, you know, with Shawn Michaels going in for a second time and Booker T going in for a second time and Bret Hart going in for a second time. I think Mark Henry deserves that, and the Nation of Domination definitely deserved that. They should be going into the Hall of Fame. Do you think that they did enough to make the Hall of Fame interesting this year? I'm a little – I mean, like, I'm happy – like, I'm a big – I'm friends with Waltman. I'm very happy for Sean. I, I'm happy to see China going in. But there, this year, I don't know. It lacks a little bite. I don't know exactly why that is to me. Yeah, I almost feel like it's being disrespectful saying that, but I totally agree with you. It's It's very, very flat. And and nothing again and nothing against people everyone who's getting inducted because they do deserve it and the Hall of Fame is that you know nod of honor uh, for doing what they have done in their careers and I don't mean to disrespect it but right. it's not a hot ticket to me you know you know Brutus the Barber Beefcake the Honky Tonk Man are they one of the greats of of course but they don't really grab me and and they and really when I think of those wrestlers they don't scream Hall of Fame to me. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I think this year's class is a little bit flat. Yeah. And you know, honky talk man, look, honky talk man, longest reigning intercontinental champion. There's definitely accolades there, you know, beefcake too. You know, he's a part of a lot of major moments in the pro wrestling business, but I don't know. There's just like, there's not that one big hook of a name. You know, I kind of thought this was going to be year they put taker in, you know, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's no New York flavor. Like if, if, you know, if, 
you know, Bam Bam Bigelow was coming, you know, going in from Jersey or right. Tommy Dreamer from New York or Taz, you know, from Brooklyn, like that would give it a little bit of like this area, you know, New York, New Jersey, a little flavor of that, but it, it's really lacking in that area. And usually at the Hall of Fame, you get a little bit of somebody from that area, but uh, you're not getting that this year. Vince McMahon's like, what are you talking about? Harlem Heat. It's Harlem. We've got a cover. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> God damn it, Dave. Harlem. Harlem Heat. It's in the name. Uh, that's fun. Uh, you know, you talked about how this wasn't a hot ticket. Well, you know, outside of Mania and TakeOver and G1, like, are there any other hot tickets for you? Are there any other shows that are descending on the New York, New Jersey area you're looking forward to? Well, I mean, Impact Wrestling is going to be in, at Rawway, New Jersey, and I think that's going to be a really good show. MLW is always fun. WrestleCon is always one of my highlights of WrestleMania weekend, and that's just going to be actually a couple of blocks away from our Sirius XM studios. But like you mentioned it before, other than the 10-year anniversary party at um, Habanero Blues on Saturday, uh, I'm really looking forward to the G1 Supercard yeah. at Madison Square Garden. I mean, that's history. Um, you know, I, I remember going to the garden as a kid and whenever I saw. Oh, Dave, I lost you. I'm sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Yeah, something happened. That's fine. Uh, you can go right back into it. You're just talking about the garden. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I would have to go to the Meadowlands in New Jersey to see the AWA and NWA because you couldn't have it at the Garden because the WWF and WWE had such a stronghold on Madison Square Garden. So to be able to have something outside of the WWE at Madison Square Garden, really their flagship arena, that's going to be extremely historic on Saturday night, and I'm really looking forward to that show. What do you make of the fact that this seems to be Ring of Honor and New Japan like doubling down on their relationship? You know, I thought that there was going to be a chance that one or the other would go and, and partner with AEW, and I, I don't think that that's the direction these companies seem to be going. It's going to be very, very interesting, Nick, what happens after this Garden show. Yeah. You know, what the future of Ring of Honor is going to be. Because to me, Ring of Honor can't go back to doing the shows that they've done before. You're making a statement by being at a sold-out Madison Square Garden. I, I, I would hope that they're going to take a leap forward. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on Ring of Honor. And then when it comes to New Japan, their growth here in the States. And there's a lot of people that think that the – the, the big selling of this show is New Japan, and they've done a lot of shows on the West Coast. This is going to be, again, a good gauge of how strong their popularity is here in the States. It's going to be very, it's going to be very, very telling for both companies and, as you said, their relationship together. Because I do agree. I thought New Japan would have some kind of relationship with AEW, so this relationship with New Japan and Ring of Honor has to be very, very strong coming out of that show at MSG on Saturday. It is so interesting the parallels you can make with New Japan and Ring of Honor right now. And really it is in the wake of the Bucks and Cody leaving, right? I mean, you have a lot of young talent that is being given top-tier positions and they're being expected to grow into it. I mean, you're absolutely right. I see MSGs, or I see that the G1 Supercard is an absolutely must-make statement night uh, for both promotions. I mean, which one do you think should close the show, New Japan or Ring of Honor? That's a great question. 
boy, it's tough. Um, I'm probably going to go with Ring of Honor based on the strength of the matchup. Um, if we were talking about Okada and Tanahashi, I would be saying that that should be the match that would close out the Garden Show. I'm not 100% completely sold on Jay White. Um, so I look at that ladder match for the ROH championship. I, I think that's the match that should end the show. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and what are your thoughts on Matt Taven? I know he's gotten a lot of flack over the past couple of years for not being able to be looked at as a main eventer, but I've been really impressed with him, especially in the heels of that 17th anniversary match with Jay Lethal, Jay Lethal where they won a full hour. Yeah, I completely agree. I think 2018 was a big year for Matt Taven, but 2019 is his year. And I think he's improved a lot on the microphone. He's been a guest on our show. He's been excellent. And like you said, that hour was a showcase for Matt Taven. You know, he's your future champion here. And, and, and that's why I love this match because you have Marty Skrull. That's definitely going to be the fan favorite at the garden. Jay lethal. Who's been the workhorse in the face of ROH. And now Matt Taven, who I think could be the future of that company. I'm really looking forward to that matchup on Saturday. Yeah, ditto. Uh, well, David, I'm really just looking forward to the whole weekend. We're going to have a blast this Saturday, the Busted Open 10th anniversary party. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you for the invite. Uh, do you want to do a last minute? You want to close this out here with a, a final sizzle plug to get everybody to come out and enjoy the show and the, and the party? Yeah, man, our 10th anniversary party. We celebrate 10 years of Busted Open. It's going to be at Habanero Blues from 1 to 5. Eastern time right there on 36th street. It's just uh, blocks away from Madison square garden, about a 20 minute walk from where WrestleCon is going to be. It's going to be myself, Mark Henry, Tommy dreamer, bully Ray, Jim Ross is going to be there. Eric Bischoff is going to be there. NWA champion. Nick Aldis is going to be there. Uh, David Arquette is going to be there. Um, Pat McAfee of the WWE network is going to be there. We got a lot of great guests. We got more to come. Um, it's going to be something very, very special. So please come out. And the best thing about it, Nick, is that it's completely free. So there's no admission to come in to come party with the Busted Open Nation. Well, good afternoon, friends, and thanks for taking part in the G1 Supercard media call. G1 Supercard airs live from sold-out Madison Square Garden in New York City this Saturday, April 6th at 7.30 Eastern through traditional pay-per-view providers and free for all Honor Club members. Honor Club content can be streamed via the ROH and Fight TV apps and at ROHHonorClub.com. The historic event will feature a Ring of Honor World Championship ladder match as Jay Lethal defends against Matt Taven and the villain Marty Skrull. New Japan Pro Wrestling Switchblade Jay White defends the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Kajuchika Okada. In total, 10 championships will be decided in addition to the Honor Rumble that will be featured on the pre-show starting at 6.30 Eastern. Today, we have scheduled 20 minutes for each of our guests, both of whom have experience competing in the world's most famous arena, Bully Ray and PCO. Once I state your name in publication, I kindly ask you to keep it to one question for guests in order to keep things running smoothly and to give everyone a chance to participate. With that said, I'd like to introduce our first guest at G1 Supercard, who will face Lifeblood's Juice Robinson in a New York City street fight. Please welcome Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer, Bully Ray. Do you know who I am, guys? 
That was funny. You can all laugh now. <laughs> all right. It's okay. Let's let's have a fun phone call, everybody. <laughs> That's a, that sounds that sounds awesome. Thank you. Um, let's start with our first question then, which I'm asking for Chris Featherstone from Pancake and Power Slams, and of course, I have to do the requisite, like everyone. So, how are you today, Billy? I'm great. Thank you. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, when you previously left WWE, your career as a singles wrestler became stronger than ever. Currently, we still see the Bully Ray character give the fans what an old school heel should look like. Having this heel persona has significantly helped babyface career of Flip Gordon. How important is it still to, for the face heel dynamic in the midst of a gray area fan base? I think it's very important to have the heel face dynamic in wrestling. It's one of the main foundations of the pro wrestling industry. It has worked from day one, and I think it can continue to work moving forward. Um, I don't like my pro wrestling to be gray. I like my characters, my athletes, my performers, my wrestlers to have a clear-cut, definitive um, emotion and an emotional investment. I want to either love somebody or I want to hate somebody. And I don't believe that there is anybody in the wrestling business in the entire world who is better than being hated than me. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. And uh, I got one more for another journal. So unfortunately could make it from under the mat radio. And he asks what makes the New York city fan base so unique compared to others? Um, New York City is the capital of the world, in my opinion. Obviously, Madison Square Garden is the arena of arenas. That's why they call it the Mecca. And the New York City fan base, when it comes to professional wrestling, has always been extremely loyal and passionate. When you talk about some of the greatest wrestling fans in the world, New York fans are right up there with Philadelphia fans and Chicago fans. Um, you know that when you perform in front of a New York crowd, you better bring your A game because they're not afraid to show you how they feel. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, now we're going to go live to uh, our press friends that we have on the line. So, uh, Sean Rostap from Fightful.com. Go ahead, Sean. Hey, thanks for taking the time to uh, talk to us. Uh, you've competed at Madison Square Garden dozens of times. Am I right in that this is going to be your first singles match at Madison Square Garden? To my knowledge, I do not believe I have ever competed in a singles match in Madison Square Garden, and this will definitively be the first time Bully Ray ever competes in Madison Square Garden. So what does that mean to you, considering you, you've competed in, in that venue so many times? And if you do it next year, I don't know if you realize, across four different decades, if you all go back next year, what does that mean to you to be a fixture in such a historic venue but still have a first? Um, I, I, the, I'll take the second part first. The next year I don't even think about because who knows. 
what's going to happen, you know, next year. Um, hopefully, Ring of Honor and Madison Square Garden and New Japan still continue to have a good relationship. This, uh, hopefully, this event goes really, really well, and all parties want to do business again. As far as uh, myself bringing Bully Ray to Madison Square Garden, it is a, it, it's a, a quote-unquote bucket list thing that I only put added to the bucket list recently once I saw that there would be a, uh, an event at Madison Square Garden um, with all of the great Ring of Honor talent, with all of the great New Japan talent. I wasn't guaranteed a spot on, you know, on the card. So I did, you know, what I have to do character-wise, storytelling-wise, uh, wrestling-wise, performing-wise to make sure that um, I've earned myself a spot. So I'm proud of the fact that I was able to do that. And it is a big deal to me because I created the Bully Ray character. Nobody created it for me. Um, I'm the one that moved the Bully Ray character forward. And, and I'm talking about when I originally invented it in, in TNA. Um, this, was, this was my creation. And when you have your own creation in the wrestling business, and when you can bring your own creation to a show like the G1 Supercard, when you can bring your own creation to a, uh, an arena like Madison Square Garden, it is, a, it is a very good feeling and sense of accomplishment. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Sean. Uh, next is Bill Pritchard from Russell Zone. Go ahead, Bill. Hey, Bully. How are you doing today? Hey, Bill. What's going on, brother? Not much. Um, so as someone who reinvented themselves at a late stage in your career, how do you – can you explain, like, how you avoid growing complacent at this point? Um, I, 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 I have entirely too much fun um, in the professional wrestling business to grow complacent. There are so many stories left to tell, and I love coming up with these new stories. And actually, I love coming up with these new stories that have been told maybe a hundred times over, but I get to tell them in a unique, different way, um, especially in pro wrestling these days where heels are so afraid to get heat. I'm a, I'm a heel that's, I, I basically have no fear in the wrestling business. So I can do things that nobody else is doing right, uh, right now. So that alone allows me to, to never become complacent, to continue to have fun. And I think one of the most fun things for me is that ring of honor for me is basically full circle of my career. Ring of Honor is ECW. I mean, Ring of Honor was created because ECW went out of business. The work ethic, the passion, the drive in Ring of Honor is something that I can understand and relate to because that's what we did in ECW. So I feel like my, my career has, you know, come full circle. And I am in a company that I belong in. And, you know, a lot of people at first were like, oh, no, this is not going to work out. And they gave a variety of reasons why it wouldn't work out. But for those exact reasons is why it has worked out. Because Ring of Honor doesn't have a guy like me. And, uh, and in any wrestling company, you need a variety. You can't just have wrestling match after wrestling match after wrestling match. You need some storytelling. After all, this is the storytelling business. 
And I would never want to take away from what Ring of Honor is doing because those guys do what they do entirely too damn well. I just want to be able to add another aspect to Ring of Honor that other guys might not be as qualified to do. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Um, next is Gil Kuda from Turnbuckle Topics. Go ahead, Gil. Hey, Bully. Thanks for taking the time, man. Hey, man. So I, I just got to ask, I mean, uh, it, since you had a lot of say in Bully Ray, you, you started the character yourself, and I know that Ring of Honor is normally encouraging of their talent to – I don't know about directly help with the booking process or so, but I just want to know where the idea for an open challenge street fight came from. It came from me. <laughs> All right. You, you, you just figured I'll, I'll jump in with somebody and we'll, and, and we'll pull some, some crazy spots and wow everybody. So let me ask you this. Are you intrigued by the open challenge at all? I, I'm I'm always intrigued by an open challenge. I, uh, I I have to say, I mean, I'm thrilled you're facing somebody like a Juice Robinson who's proved himself a million times over, especially recently. But uh, I, I just love the concept of a surprise of just you don't know who's walking out. And and there you go. You know, Juice has stepped up and he's accepted. And this is a huge moment for Juice. You know. Um, it, it would be a huge moment for anybody. Hell, if Hulk Hogan issued an open challenge in Madison Square Garden, I would be the first one to jump up and say, yes, I'll answer the challenge because there's an opportunity right there that, you know, that I want to take. Um, you know, when you look at the entire card, what is the one constant in every match? You're going to get a great wrestling match, a great wrestling match, a great wrestling match. You don't know what you're getting in my match. You don't know what's planned. Hell, I don't even know what's planned half the time. I'm just going out there and winging it, just like Terry Funk did, you know, 30 and 40 years ago. Uh, and in no way am I comparing myself to the greatness of Terry Funk, but he's one of my idols, and that's basically the way I handle myself when I'm performing. Anything can happen at any given time, and most of the time, it, it does. All right, Bully, thanks. You got it, man. Thanks, Gil. Uh, next, James Walsh from Wrestling Epicenter. Go ahead, James. Hey, Bully, it's a pleasure to talk to you. How are you doing today? James, how are you, buddy? I'm doing okay. So my question was for you. Uh, was actually going to mention Terry Funk, but since you already said it, I won't mention his name. I'm just going to ask you, as the guy who's been there, who's done that, who's been in Madison Square Garden, we've interviewed guys like, Jeff Cobb, who said he's going to have tears coming down his eyes at the idea of even wrestling in Madison Square Garden. Have you given any advice to some of the younger guys who are getting their first taste of the, of the Mecca? Some of the guys that have asked me about it and some of the other interviews I have done, I've given really the, the same two pieces of advice. Number one is when you go through that curtain, take a moment to smell the roses. Take it all in. Stand there, look out into the crowd, realize that you are performing in Madison Square Garden, and realize that you belong there. And give yourself a mental pat on the back, because if you're on that card and you're standing in that arena, you've earned it. So take time to give yourself some credit for your accomplishments. 
I think in the wrestling business, things get a little too negative at times, and we don't take the time to really, you know, maybe tell one another how you know proud we are of each other or what kind of a great job each other has done. But we can take the time to appreciate our own moment. So for everybody who hasn't performed there before, you know, from Okada and Tanahashi to the, you know, to the, to the cheeseburgers of the world, take, you know, take time to smell the roses. Um, the second thing I've told them is be prepared for an uncontrollable shot of adrenaline that will overcome you when you walk out there. And that adrenaline rush is so intense that you actually black out for a second. And it's very easy for that adrenaline to take over your mind so much that you don't even remember what happens. And it's a pretty crappy feeling to not be able to re remember what happened, especially if you're, you know, performing in Madison Square Garden. So it's like, go out there, take a deep breath, smell the roses, get your composure, pat yourself on the back, go to the ring and try to steal the show. And every single match should put to the, a gun to every other match's head and say, go try to follow that. Beautiful. I can't wait for Saturday. Thank you, sir. Thanks, man. Thanks, James. Uh, next, uh, Jeff Martin from Bodyslam.net. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey, Billy. Thanks so much for your time. Um, so, obviously going to Deuce Robinson and he's your opponent and you know who it is. Is there anyone in the back of your mind that you wish kind of did answer that open challenge or uh, is Juice Robinson going to be a, a suitable opponent for you? Who would you have liked to see open the answer the open challenge? Uh, like I said, I, I was up for a, a surprise, but I think Juice Robinson to me is uh, he, he's hot right now. And I think that that would be a great match between you both. There you go. I mean, Juice took the bull by the horns. He stepped up. He's going to get an ass kicking. I mean, and every single one of you know that. You know that on shows like these, I mean, it's in New York and it's in Madison Square Garden. And no, no matter what, I'm going to make an impression. And I'm going to probably make an impression on his chest and on his face. And he's going to get his ass handed to him. But, hey, man, kudos to him for having the balls to step up. And I will leave you with this. And this is really open-ended. Just because Juice answered the open challenge doesn't mean that other guys couldn't answer the open challenge. Who knows? I didn't say it was an open set challenge singles match. Who the hell knows if anybody else decides to tell the music guy to hit my music? I can tell you this. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be different. It's going to be hard hitting and it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks. All right, thanks, Jeff. Uh, Jim Barcelona, Miami Herald. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, thanks, Bully. Did you ever think you'd see the day a wrestling promotion not named WWE would be at Madison Square Garden? And what do you think of the state of pro wrestling today? No, Jim, uh, th this was even a shock to me, and, and I, don't, I don't shock easily at all with pro wrestling because I've seen so much stuff happen, and even the most – shockings of things i kind of just brush off like yeah man hey it's pro wrestling anything can happen but going into this i mean it's sacred ground i don't mean to sound cliche i mean this is vince mcmahon's grandfather's building this is vince mcmahon's father's building this is vince mcmahon's building nobody runs madison square garden 
Um, and I think that just the planets lined up. There was a, there was a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, kudos to Ring of Honor for having the guts to pick up the phone and saying, hey, we'd like to run a show in your building. We'd like to do business with you. And kudos to Madison Square Garden for taking the call and saying yes, because I believe just the fact that there's a different wrestling promotion in the garden on, uh, on that night is historical. I mean, it really could have been any wrestling company, and it would have been historical. I'm happy that it's Ring of Honor in New Japan, and I'm happy that I'm going to be a part of it. So, yeah, Jim, I mean, I think everybody was shocked. You know, I, I think Vince McMahon was shocked. I don't think Vince ever saw this coming. Um, so, I mean, that answers part one of your question. And part two of your question, the state of the wrestling industry. I gauge wrestling by fans' interest. And the fans right now are extremely interested in all companies. I mean, let's face it. Wrestle, you know, WWE is going to do the business that they do and that they will always do. WrestleMania, 80,000 people sold out. Ring of Honor um, is, is such a unique company with a unique fan base who has, for 17 years, has been giving their fans what they want to see. Obviously, AEW on the horizon. You got to give Cody and the Bucks credit they were able to tap into a demographic of wrestling fan that probably thought that they were forgotten about. And look at the business that they're doing. Look at all the independent shows that are running WrestleMania weekend. And I don't really think it's that, it's that big of a deal that it's WrestleMania weekend and these shows are running. Good for them. You always go where the, the, the fans are going to be. I mean, I look at it as like, if you I know this is going to sound a little stupid, but if you ever watch the show Deadliest Catch, you know, and, you, and you know, uh, you, it, you know, it's all about catching crabs. Well, if one boat is catching 100 crabs an hour and the other boat is catching zero crabs an hour, the boat that's not catching any crabs is probably going to go to where the boat is catching a lot of crabs and then drop their traps and catch crabs also. And that's what this is, you know. WrestleMania comes to town and everybody knows that that's where the fans will be. Ring of Honor in New Japan is a different story. They're not running an indie show. They're running Madison Square Garden and they sold it out in like record-breaking time. The WWE hasn't sold out the Garden in a long, long time. So with Ring of Honor and New Japan, I don't think it's a question of them scooping up, you know, uh, excess WrestleMania fans. I think they're catering to their fan base and are give, going to give their fan base the show that they want. Thank you, Bully. Great, great uh, Deadliest Catch reference, too. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Always a pleasure, my friend. All right. Thanks, Jim. All right. Next, Mike Johnson, PW Insider. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Bully. How are you? Who, who's this? Who? Mike who? Yeah, you know. How are you, sir? <laughs> how you doing, Mike? Good. Um, you brought up the ECW Ring of Honor um, comparison earlier. So I'm curious, as someone who was in that ECW locker room leading into Barely Legal, the first pay-per-view, and seeing all the carnage and the fighting and the injuries and everything that happened in that time period with ECW, compare the energy and the chaos there to what the locker room is like for Ring of Honor over the last couple of weeks, knowing that MSG is on the horizon and compare the crop of talents 
who are there in Ring of Honor to the guys and the women who were in the ECW locker room in the late 90s. It, it, you know, is, is the energy similar? Is Ring of Honor maybe a little bit more nuanced because it's a more corporate entity compared to ECW? How do you compare the two? I believe the energy level is the same. Um, obviously, um, the guys and the gals over the years have changed a lot with, uh, with the way they conduct themselves in a locker room or as professionals or as personally. So I think it's more controlled passion, controlled energy. I think everybody is chomping at the bit to, to go out there and uh, you know, do the best they can. In ECW, and you were there probably in the front row, that locker room we were uh, we, we were like caged animals that just couldn't wait to get out and show the world who we were. Ring, you know, everybody knows who Ring of Honor and New Japan is. Now it's just time to go into the garden and and you know and, and steal the weekend. With ECW being on pay per view, it was such a big deal because these these rebels, these rogues, these guys that were and gals that were kicked to the curb were finally able as Paul said, to get to the dance. And pay-per-view for ECW was the dance. And Madison Square Garden for the Ring of Honor locker room and in the New Japan locker room is the dance. Yeah, you may have performed in front of 50,000 people at the Tokyo Dome, but it's still not Madison Square Garden. As they say, the garden will always be the garden. Um, The Ring of Honor guys, the New Japan guys, they're going to be out to you know, have a great show and everybody's going to want to steal the show in ECW. We were out to prove a point and we did prove a point and we changed the wrestling business forever. And I, and I've said it before and you've heard this, Mike ECW was the Napster of the pro wrestling business. Napster went out of business, but changed the way we listen to music forever. ECW went out of business, but changed the way wrestling moved forward forever. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep. Hello. Did we lose Mark? Hello. I guess we lost Mark. If you guys got questions, go ahead and ask them. Hey, Bully. This is Nick Osmond from Wrestling Inc. How are you doing? Hey, Nick. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I was going to follow up on uh, all the nice things you said about Juice. Um, How do you feel about the new crop of Ring of Honor talent that's come in and filled the void of a lot of the talent that uh, left at the end of 2018? Um, I am going to reserve judgment until they can get a good amount of time underneath the belt, their belts, and see if they can get themselves over. As individuals, I think it's a huge opportunity. Um, when, any, when any talent gets an opportunity to come into a wrestling company, like a Ring of Honor or WWE, anyway, NXT, Impact, you name it, there's always that, that, that feeling out period. There's always that proving, you know, uh, you know, time to prove yourself. So, Let's see how these new talents get over. Let's see how the the fans take to them. So if you ask me this question in a year from now and you say, you know, how are these guys doing? I can probably give you a better answer. I can tell you this, as far as the younger guy, you know, the newer guys, like 
Bandito night one was super over. PCO, who you guys going to be talking to, super over. I think those are two personalities that the Ring of Honor fan base is taking to immediately. Uh, cool. Hey, thank you so much, Bully. Uh, looking forward to the G1. You got it, man. Who else? Okay. I think maybe my phone went bad. Anyway, we're good. Um, was that Mike or was that Nick? Sorry about that. That was Nick. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay, next we got Stu Byrick. And thanks for uh, everyone for stepping up in that little situation. Go ahead, Stu. Uh, that, that's going to be our final uh, question. Go ahead, Stu. But all right, good to talk to you. Uh, I have a quick question. Besides the wrestling, of course, you are co-host of Sirius XM Busted Open. I wanted to find out what you have learned about wrestling fans through your work with Dave LaGreca that maybe you didn't realize before. No, I think Daniel Bryant said it best. They're fickle. (laughs) (laughs) Fickle, I tell you, fickle. Um, I'm really not surprised by anything. There, I mean, recently I've seen things that really have me scratching my head, like such a, a like a huge majority of this fan base with this Ronda Rousey hate and stuff like that. Um, you might not like Ronda Rousey the person, I get it, but man, the girl has busted her ass since she's got in here. I mean, we had Natty Neidhart on the show the other day, and Natty's basically telling everybody that Ronda has paid her dues. She's done it the right way. I think she's earned the respect of the locker room. Um, But yet you have a lot of people that just, you know, just don't like her. So I think I don't so much. I guess there's a little bit of learning in fans or they might be even more passionate today than ever. And I'm just going to say they might be because I believe fans know what they like and they know what they want. And I think that if they don't, get it um they're more liable to complain about it because they now have a voice through social media you know 20 years ago you know if if, uh if fans didn't like something well you could show up to the arena and you can boo somebody and that's really the only way you could voice it or you could write a letter to the wrestling magazine or to the local federation but that normally fell on deaf ears with social media now, they can voice their opinion about what they like and what they don't like. And sometimes I'm shocked by what they don't like. And I think that fans, I think sometimes fans put wrestling under too big of a microscope and they don't allow themselves to sit back and be entertained. I do believe that some fans have become too smart for their own good. If I go see a magician perform, I really don't want to know how he made Tommy Dreamer disappear. I mean, the elephant disappear. Um, You always got to get in the obligatory (laughs) Dreamer joke, right, guys? Absolutely. Um, So, you know, uh, my advice to fans would just be just enjoy the ride more, man. It's pro wrestling. It's supposed to be fun. You know, uh, we we don't have to destroy it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with analyzing it and, and discussing it, which we do on Busted Open, and I try to do with fans. Uh, you know, I really try to make on Busted Open. I, I try to explain things to make things more palatable for the fans, and make me they can understand, you know, what creative you know was thinking when they put something together. And then sometimes I go on the show and I say, "Man, this clearly did not make sense to me." Um, hopefully, I answered your question. 
as far as what I've learned from being on Busted Open. You did my sentiments exactly. Thank you, Bully. You got it. All right. Thank you, and thanks, Bully. Um, that's all the time we have for him. And uh, did we? Did I everybody get speak- to? Hold on, Mark. Did everybody get to ask their question? Yes or no? I believe that's a yes. Yeah, we, okay, we got through everyone, and uh, I, I think everyone would agree with me. And personally, thank you very much for 30 minutes under your learning tree. It was fantastic. No problem, Mark. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I appreciate you being on the line. Have fun, whether you're coming to the show or watching the show. And uh, take care, and I'll see you down the road. All right, thank you. So next up, we have the reigning Ring of Honor World Tag Team and World Six-Man Tag Team Champion. He has an opportunity to also leave Madison Square Garden with the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team title. He will team with villain Enterprises partner Brody King in a four-way tag match against the Briscoes, G.O.D., and Evil and Sonata. Please welcome PCO. Hi. Hi. Hi, Mark. How are you, everybody? Hi. Um, good, good to talk to you. Uh, welcome. Um, let's get in with the questions. First one, again, comes from uh, outside, from Chris Featherstone from Pancakes and Power Slam. So the question is, as a three-time WWE Tag Team Champion, you are very aware of the pressure that comes with holding that title now in Ring of Honor. How was the feeling of not only main eventing the 17th anniversary show, but also defeating the Briscoes to capture the tag titles from a major promotion after 25 years? Well, uh, the pressure is always the same. I always wanted to, uh, uh, as a performer, I think if you if you don't want to fill the show, I, I don't think you, you belong in this business. So, uh, you always want to, you know, uh, be the best that you can be, and you always want to perform. And and being put on last, you know that pressure is even like bigger. And it just it just felt like, you know, uh, if I didn't feel like I was up to the task, you know, I would have been there. Uh, but it was exactly the same thing, and it was 25 years ago. But uh, yeah, it's exactly the same pressure, but it's, there's two ways to uh, to cope with pressure. It's either you can't take it, or or whatever you 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 love it, and it becomes your best friend instead of your worst enemy. And that's the way I approach every event or every pressure matters. Very good. The next question also is going to come from the outside from Under the Mat Radio. When you think of MSG, what is your favorite memory from MSG in the past? My personal favorite uh, memory is my feud with Bret Hart. So uh, I think it was Coleman eventing or main eventing. I can't remember exactly if I was before last or last match of the whole evening. Uh, but that was a pressure spot. Uh, that was like a, a priceless uh, memory. 
uh, working with one of the best in the history of pro wrestling, uh, having a feud with him and being able to perform in front of a live crowd at Madison Square Garden, which I think is the most famous, uh, or, you know, the, the building where there's, you know, Elvis Presley performed at Lady Gaga, Madonna, and so many comedians, artists, and performers. It's uh, it's probably the building, you know, that most prestigious or the one that everybody really will mark on their calendar as, as being a special event. Madison Square Garden in New York. But this one, this one right. for me will will top the Bret Hart one. This is the the ROH because this is the 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 funniest and the the best time that I've ever had, and this, the the moments are the greatest moment of my career right now. This is the most over that I've ever been in the wrestling business, and going to MSG this time around is going to be right up on top of my list from them MSG events right on top of over Brett and myself and under Brett and myself it was uh, the tag belts against one, two, three, ten, more did you maybe right, thank you uh, next call uh, we're going to now get to the all of our press friends that are on the line have been waiting to talk to you um, Sean Rossap from Fightful, go ahead Sean Hey, thanks for taking the time. Uh, obviously, you are way more active than you were several years ago. Did you ever think you were going to make it back to Madison Square Garden? And at what point did you look at yourself and say, you know what, I can make this work full time again. I'm going to go for it. Well, I think uh, if I didn't think I was going to make it in a big, big time event, like a huge event like that, uh, I don't think I would have come back for no other reason than that. And and the reason is like uh, last somewhere last year at uh, just after All In, but during All In, it was at Starcast. And um, when we're doing a demo, like I'm going to do Friday on the, uh, Caprice Coleman's pulpit, you know, we're going to be me and Destro are going to be there Friday at 5 p.m. Uh, doing like a big demo of strength and things like that. So we did that. We did something like that last year at All In uh, during Starcast. And the end of the and and I remember I was with Baba on this show too right after that or the the following day. And Baba was asking me what was my goal, and I said like next year, like you know, my goal is to uh, be against Undertaker at WrestleMania. Well, I'm not against Undertaker wrestling. People might have thought it was funny last year, but I'm going to be one of the main event match at MSG as a world ROH World Tag Team Champions with Brody King, part of Villain Enterprise, the biggest faction in pro wrestling today. And uh, I think it answers your question right there because... uh, you asked if I thought that I would be back at Madison Square Garden. My goal was to be at WrestleMania. Well, WrestleMania is every 10 years at the Garden. It's been like 60 years. You know, the, ben- the McMahons are running the Garden, and there was never any other promotion. And being part of this one with Ring of Honor's Super G1 Supercard, 
all the superstars from Japan. Like I got tremendous respect for uh, Kota Ibushi uh, and all the others. And that's just the name that popped out of my mind. And uh, yeah, of course, it's part of the part of the journey. It's part of the goal. It's not a I would have come back. I'm coming back. I was coming back because uh, I wanted to impact the business, and uh, that's what happened. Thank you so much. My, my pleasure. All right, Thanks. thank you. Thank you very much. Next up is Jason Frazier from ESPN Radio St. Louis. Go ahead, Jason. Hey, PCO. Pleasure talking to you today. Hey, Jason. What's up? I, I just, you know, I actually, I was, I go back every year and I watch, you know, history, a lot of the WrestleManias. I was watching WrestleMania 10, ironically, um, last night. And you went into that event as one half of the tag team champions back then as the Q Packers. You're going into this event again, 25, almost, you know, 20 plus years later. Um, same venue as one half of the tag team champions. 20, yeah, 25 years, you know, um, Half the tag team champions again. What is it like just looking at looking at that kind of milestone for your career, but also comparing your tag partners? You know, just the difference between each partner that you had. You know, with Brody King and Jack Joe. Well, I still it's two different words. I mean, uh, Jacques is an excellent worker as far as uh, you know. I great uh, eat seeker great uh healer, great great heel um uh and very athletic i mean he could like be good at every sports but uh not as Brody king i mean as far as in the ring all around uh work uh Brody's classic i mean he can springboard to the second straight stop straight to the top cross body uh, he did some amazing stuff. He's powerful. He's strong. He can fly. Uh, he can brawl. He can do it all. You know, it's just it's not a one-dimension guy. He's like he, he can do it all. And big, six-six, three hundred pounds. You know, so it doesn't come any better than that. So I, I, I gotta, and I not want don't want to take anything away from Jacques. Like he's great. But he's more a one aspect guy, uh, as, as as compared to Brody King, is like um, multi, uh, you know, uh, talented in different areas of, of the business. And he could be as good as well on the mic. But you gotta say, Jacques' strength was like uh, mostly, uh, not mostly, but one of his biggest strength was like you know uh, getting heat on on the microphone too. You know, like on, on promos. Uh, it was really, really good. You, you, well, you really wanted to hate him. That's that's a huge. That's a big difference between the two. All right, thank, thank you, Jason. You so much next, for thank you. Uh, next, Bill Pritchard from Russell Phone. Go ahead, Bill. Hi, BCO. How are you? Hey, Bill. I'm very good. Yourself? Good. Uh, so I wanted to know, like, how will this event be different from you? And have you given any advice to Brody King about how to take in the experience of working MSG for the first time? Or on the other side, have you talked to Marty maybe about 
what what his thoughts are going into a match on his own without you guys after working so closely together? Oh, we're very uh, we're a very tight group. I mean, we got. A great chemistry. We always go for lunch together before or after shows or in the morning. We travel together, the three of us. We're, we're literally always together, the three of us. But that's one thing that we never we discuss the MST show, but I never give them any advice or they never ask for any advice either. So uh, I take for granted the fact that Artie has worked on several like major major uh big crowd show and brody kings always perform like under pressure like like he did in, in las vegas for the for the tag titles number one and he's he's uh always like he's been with um battle of los angeles he's done that he's done a bunch of pwg shows with there's a lot of pressure there and you want to perform in the fans uh, are expecting a lot and uh you know he's he's always been up to the task it's, and i think it's not something where you have to give so many advices because it just comes easier when it's something like the madison square garden because you know this is the perfect length of time for a show let's say between three and three and a half hours uh the, the like from touring lately you know around the united states texas florida uh even like uh, this sunday in baltimore the fans are coming up to us and they're so excited about the super uh, g1 supercard and uh you know they're going to be pumped the fans are going to be so pumped so crazy that well all you have to do is just perform as usual and enjoy the moment i mean it doesn't come any easier than that basically uh the larger the bigger is the moment the easier it is well you know the only thing that adds pressure is you want to be the best match of the evening well, that's the only thing that adds, adds pressure you know it's just like like Bubba said like you know everybody should try to still should want to try to sell the show you know so that's the only pressure but there's there's no advices for that you know it's just part of the job. All right. Thanks for your time. No problem. Thank All you. right. Thank you. Uh, next, Gil Kuda from Turnbuckle Talk. Just go ahead, Gil. Hey, PCO. Thank you for taking the time, man. Um, no problem, though. Thanks. I, I, I got to ask, as, as long as you've been in the industry, and it's, and it's and now there are, I don't want to say divides from one company to another, but now that you're in Ring of Honor with Villain Enterprises, as you said, the best faction in the world. But uh, I, I have to, I have to ask: is is the creative a little different, seeming that it's sort of booked towards, I guess, hardcore fans, so to speak? Uh, if the creative is booking more towards more hardcore fans. You're you're thinking? I'm your I'm, just, I'm just curious: is as, uh, as ROH as opposed to a more corporate fixture like a WWE? Is, is it is it more towards you know fans that can't get enough of of, of guys like you and Villain Enterprises and you know the the guys who are up at three in the morning watching your your compadres in New Japan? Well, the thing the thing I'm, I'm going to tell you something about creative. I mean, the big difference between the two companies is that 
I feel um, I don't want to take anything away from from the WWE. I'm just going to talk about the good things that are which I think they're they're great. As far as creative goes, they're working hand in hand with talent. Like they wouldn't ask me to do something if I wouldn't feel like it's part of my character because my character is already part of my uh, identity, part of my personality. It's an extension of myself. So. What you see of me in the ring, the French Canadian Frankenstein, not human. It's it's a it's a it's a larger part of PCO on a larger scale. You know, it's 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 bigger than life, but that's what I am on a smaller scale in life. That's how I live my life. So when you put me on stage and you put me in the Madison Square Garden, you put twenty thousand people. Well, I just become bigger and better than everything I do every day of my life. But it still is PCO. And uh, I don't. I feel like ROH. They don't ask you to do things that you don't feel comfortable for. The first when I dealt with them, when I was negotiating for my contract, they said, "We want you to be and to stay like you are, like you've been on the indie for the last two years. We just want to enhance that and make that look better." So, um, so right there, that was something that. You know, I really like because it was really a, a partnership. You know, it's not like something now you're going to do this, you're going to do that. You have to do this. You have to be this guy. And and I think that ROH, they understand that what the fans like and if they think, okay, the fans are really popping up big for this guy, or for this talent, or for this idea. Well, let's give them more of what they like. Let's not try to shove them something down their throat that they don't want to see or they don't want to hear or they don't like and keep pushing this idea because, well, we think we're going to tell them how we should run the business. Well, they're working with the fans as well and they're working with the talent as well. So I think this is I think this is pretty uh, pretty awesome from ROH. I mean, this is their one of the strongest points. Oh, they, there's so many things that are strong about ROH, but I really like the fact that they're running the business right now. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Gil. Uh, uh, next is James James Walsh from Wrestling Epicenter. Go ahead, James. Hey, PCO. Pleasure to talk to you. Big fan. How you doing today? Uh, I'm great, James. Thanks. All right. So I was a kid in the crowd at WrestleMania 10, and here we are 25 years later. It's kind of already been asked, but I'm going to ask it in a little bit of a different way. Um, how is your headspace different now going into Madison Square Garden at this stage of your career with a company like Ring of Honor versus wrestling at WrestleMania? How is it different for you personally? Uh, between the WrestleMania 10 and this show right now? The, this yes, week, sir. the Supercard. Uh, oh, there's so many huge differences. Uh, first of all, as a person, I'm a, I'm a person that, in order to get my career going the way it is going right now, and to have this uh, huge, uh, uh, you know, fans, uh, the fans that are behind it, and uh, you know, like, in order to get what I've what I got from from the fans and, and to be as popular as I I became in all humility uh, in all humbleness uh, I had to really work on myself so I had to become a, a different person and uh, so of course 
uh, I, I think I was really young the first time around, 25 years old. There's a lot of things happening quick. You know, uh, you you go from uh, the Indies to the WWE and, and, you know, the fame and the fortune and, you know, making more money and get, getting recognized by everybody on, on the street or everywhere you go and the airports and things like that. It, it was like kind of, kind of the personality that I had, the person that I was, was really humble and was really like grateful for everything that was happening in my life. I kind of felt at one point in my career at a younger age that I was becoming better than than most of the people in general. I kind of lost that that humility and started to believe in my own publicity or what was happening in my life. I started to take it like, okay, I'm a big superstar now. I'm like, you know, uh, which is now uh, everything that I went through and uh, worked on myself as, you know, uh, probably uh, don't blame the whole world for everything that doesn't go right uh, and take full responsibilities for everything that happened to you in your life. So with that type of mentality now, going into the MSG, a supercard, the G1, uh, it's uh, it's a total different uh total different view, point of view, the perception for me. Uh, I feel 100% that I deserve to be in that card and I worked hard and disciplined myself and paid a lot of dues in order to be able to be on that card. And But the difference is uh, I'm really grateful and I'm going to be there with so much humility, very humble and very happy to be part of it and enjoy every moment of it and uh, not looking for okay what's going to be next now okay I've done this I've done done this what's going to be next without appreciating what I'm going through at the moment of course I always want more I want to do better I want to do bigger arenas and bigger stadiums and you know do everything more but and I appreciate this moment at the just value as it is. This is the this is the difference. This is the total different minding, uh, sets of mind, mindsets totally different for this one than it was. That's why this is my most fun and important one. I hope I did understand. I hope I did explain to you the uh, well enough that you can understand what I meant. Absolutely. Thank you for your time today, sir, and uh, congratulations on the opportunity and for reinventing yourself. Looking forward to uh, Saturday night. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, Jeff Martin from Bodyslam.net. Go ahead, Jeff. APCO, I find it a pleasure to get a chance to ask you a question here. So you talk about reinventing yourself. We, you know, we spoke to Billy Ray about him reinventing himself with the Billy Ray character. How important do you think it is, or what advice would you give uh, wrestlers right now who maybe feel feel they're kind of stale or not relating uh, with the fans? Uh, you've obviously reinvented yourself. So, what advice would you give a, a younger wrestler that you know would seek out your advice about how to maybe possibly relate better with the fans? Well, I mean, this is is just something where um, you got to keep believing in yourself. That's the main thing. 
you, you really don't know when it's going to hit and when it's going to get to the fence. And I, wanna, I always come up with this, this example. Uh, I remember when Stone Cold Steve Austin started as the ringmaster for WWE. I mean, there was no reaction whatsoever. Everybody knew that Steve had been a great talent for WCW as a tag team champion and that he had, like, great matches before. But he got let go from WCW, like, and then he went to ECW, which he did okay. And then I think it was Carl or someone who was talking to Vincent to, like, hey, this guy's a good worker. You should hire him. And they hired him as a mechanical, you know, like someone that can help and answer the guys and was a good worker, but didn't have, didn't put any thoughts behind it, you know, like no, nothing special to this guy. So ringmaster, I think they gave him the belt with the DBS belt or something like that. But it's the same thing that I did, and probably Steve. It's like you have to keep your vision about yourself and knowing what you want and keep focus on the goal. And no matter what happened, how many, no matter how many times you might fail, you might try something, the fans might reject it, it might not work. If you stay focused and if you really believe in yourself and you really keep your eyes on that vision all the time, eventually the right thing's going to pop up for you. But it's not about faith. But sometimes people, they don't know what faith is. Faith is persistence. Faith is perseverance. That's that's what is faith. I mean, it's not just opening in your bed, okay, I got the faith, I got the faith. No, it's going through like a bunch of failures, a bunch of tough times, and eventually knowing that it's going to pay off. And that's the best advice I can give to any wrestlers. If it's really your passion, if you're really passionate about it, you really love what you do, uh, it doesn't matter how many times you're going to fail. Eventually, you're going to find out what works for you. Thank you so much. That's that about it. On Saturday. My pleasure. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, next, Jim Barcelona from MiamiHerald.com. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, thank you, PCO. Just curious, why do you think it's worked for you getting over so much with fans? Is it a combination of the moves that you're doing at the age that you are? Is it just how you present yourself, the ring gear, a little bit of the face paint? Just when you look at it, why do you think it's been such a success reinventing yourself this way and resonating with fans? I think it's a fruit salad of all of this. <laughs> it's a good mix of everything. <laughs> a little bit of grapes, a little bit of pineapple, a little bit of orange. I think uh, I think you hit it on the nail, though. Uh, I mean, the character uh, got over the Frankenstein uh, character. This is a movie that's been around since 1931 that everybody knows. I don't know how many wrestlers that I've seen with a Frankenstein head tattooed on their body, five or six in the last two years. So it's been really like uh, something that's been really... Uh, in the uh, in the mind and conscious mind of of the every person almost you know everybody I've heard or been touched or whatever heard stories or have watched some of the movies the Frankenstein movies so I think that's being a strong character and 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 being able to portray that because it's part of my personality 
where I can do crazy things without, you know, getting like seriously injured. I think uh, the fans really dig that because it works with the not being human. I've done a few crazy things before, but as just a human guy, sometimes it didn't make sense. But now, even though if it doesn't seem to make sense, they got, like for example, I took a huge backdrop from the ramp into the side of the apron on my back where my body bends the other way around. And Jim Ross posted something like, why? And he had like, I don't know how many answers like people were posting because PCO's not human, he's not human, he's not human, he's not human. So that, that makes sense too. So doing like crazy stuff and uh, I don't know why, but the people really digging that. And also... It's not like I can only do uh, big stuff like that, dangerous, but I can only I can also work. I can also, uh, you know, do a bunch of things. I can hit a, a super leg drop on the top rope, uh, you know, frog splash, moonsault, and all kinds of stuff like that. Dive on the outside can be pretty exciting as well. And and I, and I think with the people getting behind the whole thing, uh, it's adding. Uh, it goes, you know, in a full circle, like in a vicious circle. When people start to like you, you start to be more charismatic. You're more charismatic, you get more people getting to like you. So it's a, it's a very positive, uh, vicious circle. So I think uh, all the ingredients are there, just like you said. It's a, it's a bit of everything. Uh, maybe the makeup, maybe it brings back... Uh, you know, the memories of demolition or, or the road warriors somewhere, or just a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it just touched the unconscious mind of people at a different place. And I think it's like I said, you know, I've, I've failed so many times trying to come up with a, a character that was an extension of myself and that would work and that would really uh, get the people to like me. And also, you have to take that in consideration, failing so many times and always keeping that vision about success in yourself and knowing that you've got everything to make it big. Even though nobody believes in you anymore and you still believe in yourself, eventually when it pays off, it's like every failures are adding up on top of each other and when you get success it's like all those failures turns into a positive that gives you the amount of success that comes with it so it's a it's a bunch of things together it's a that's why it's happening like that that's that's my that's my the way i can explain it to you thank you so much my pleasure all right thanks jim next uh mike johnson pw insider go ahead mike Hey, PCO. How are you, sir? That's great. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Good to talk to you again. Um, you, you know, you talked a lot about recreating yourself and finding yourself again and being back in this moment. You know, there's been discussion of, like, what advice you would give to the younger talents about the garden and things like that. What advice would you give to some of the older talents who wrestled in your era or maybe, you know, in the, in the decade that followed that have kind of fallen off the pulse? and finding their way back to the mainstream the way you have. Like, obviously, your path can't be 100% recreated. Everyone's got a unique uh, personality, and yours works for, your, for, for what you do. But what advice would you give to some of, the, some, of the, some of the veterans out there who can still go but aren't getting the attention that you've been lucky enough to get in the last two years? 
Oh, that's a very good question. I know I've never been asked around like that. It's always that, uh, you know, what, what, what advice can you give to the, the younger kids? Now you're asking me what advice I can give to the older guys that are like, felt like they're, they missed the boat at one point, but they're talented and they can still go, but nobody's like hiring them. Basically, that's is your that's your question, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it depends. The the thing is, it depends on their vision. It depends on their goal. It depends if they still believe in themselves. That I'm not a, on the inside, on the mind of anyone else. Uh, I can talk for myself, and that's gonna help others too by just uh, telling my story. Uh, and also, the, the the very important thing that you said at the end of your stay, your question is, if they are still able to go, and that's that's the thing. Like most of the guys are getting older. Sometimes they have a replacement, a hip hip replacement, a knee replacement, and sometimes they're they're pretty messed up, so they can't go no more. And that was the most important thing for me in order to come back. I knew I had to be better than the 30 and the 35 years old and 20 years old uh, or as good as they are. And uh, there was no uh, consideration about coming back if I couldn't perform the, the way the, the, the young kids are performing. You know, I wanted to go head to head with them. That's why I was, and I'm still training with, uh, hockey players that are playing junior uh, major hockey league, you know, they're 19 or 20 years old or any NHL players. But that's why I'm training with those guys because that's the level I need to be at in order to, to perform. So uh, the thing for the older guys, as, as it is for the younger guys, are you willing to pay the price? Because there's a price to be paid, you know, you can't just receive, you have to give before you receive. So you have to give a lot, give, Give a lot of your time. Give a lot of your, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many hours I spent on the trampoline park uh, in the last two years for my moonsault. If I didn't do like 2,000 moonsaults, you know, I didn't do one. You know, I was like there like every day for, you know, when I wasn't on the road, uh, I would go to with a, a private coach. I would spend money on a private coach. I would have someone buy me and teaching me and telling me how to do it or do it like standing up in the trampoline so i paid a lot of price like i meaning by my efforts and my time so so that's that's one of the things you know are you willing to pay the price the, the second thing is what kind of vision you got about your what you want to become you know what's your goal uh if you have uh, taken your eyes off the goal for several years, it's going to take more time to be able to come back and achieve it. So there's a, a bunch of things like that. But the main message is, I mean, if you always believe in yourself and you never stop to believe in yourself, well, it, it will happen, you know, just, just keep on, you know, you got to, you know, so many factors, you know, discipline, paying the price, uh, doing all the efforts, everything, 24-7, you have to be thinking about wrestling, pro wrestling, pro wrestling, pro wrestling. You can't, you, you know, what, what makes it harder also for older guys, they have three kids, they have a house, they have responsibilities, uh, they have a job, they're not, well, I was willing to quit any job that I would have 
I was willing to take a, a second mortgage on my house in order to have enough money to just wrestle. Well, th- those are the risks. Well, and I'm going to answer that by one question. By one question, that's going to give you your answer. It's like, that's, that's my mentality. What would I do if I have all the gold in the world? I'd be a pro wrestler. So I decided to be a pro wrestler all my life in order to have all the gold in the world. Meaning, whatever, belts, money, whatever gold means for you. That's my answer, basically. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment on Thank Saturday. Thank you very much, Mike. Talk to you soon, sir. All right, Thank thanks, you. Mike. Thank you. We're going to take a couple more. Uh, Nick Hausman uh, from Wrestling Game. Go ahead, Nick. All right, PCO. Thank you very much for taking the time today. All right, Nick. Thanks, man. Um, now, my question was if you, uh, if when you win the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team titles with Brody King, how excited are you to potentially go over to Japan and defend those titles and expose uh, the Japanese fans to the PCO character? I'd be super excited. I'd be super, super excited. I mean, uh, I think the Japanese fans would go crazy over that character, and uh, it would be pretty insane. Uh, so I'm super pumped for uh, G1 Supercar, Mad Square Garden, ROH. New Japan Pro Wrestling. I've been to Japan before for all Japan. 2001, I'm working the greats of like uh, Kobashi, uh, Juno Kiyama, Tawe, Kawada, Misawa. I've worked with all those guys. So now this new generation and and also now like the uh, the Japanese talent and the American talents are more working together than ever. Uh, when I was there, I mean, I could barely talk to my uh, my opponent, like I wouldn't, was not even able to talk to Misawa or Kawada, even shake my hands. So now it's more like, okay, you know, it's a get together more, and it's easier to approach those superstars from Japan. So it'd be an honor for me to go to Japan and defend the IWGP title titles, uh, and uh, I know it's a dream for Brody King too. So yeah. Yeah, awesome to win that. Cool. Thank you very much, PCO. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, last question. Stu Myrick from 104.9 in Austin. Go ahead, Stu. PCO, always a pleasure to talk to you. So we've heard a lot about what, you know, what you've taught some of the younger guys and veterans. What have you learned from being around the likes of a Brody King and a Marty Skrull that has enhanced your career? Uh, this is just a very good question. And it's fun, too, because uh, we were traveling Sunday and we went to eat together, uh, Brody and Marty and myself. And the guys, sometimes they're asking me questions. Hey, PCO, uh, have you worked uh, with Undertaker? Yeah, I worked. And, you know, I, I think I mean, I've on a dark match and a TV taping in Poughkeepsie, New York, and it's on constant video. And at a PCW work, uh, let's say, uh, while well, they asked me about my feud with Brad, if I worked Sean, and, and they, they, you know, names that when they grew up, you know, they were like really high on those guys. 
and uh, and then I, I, I tell them, and then they, they go and they switch it around. It's, it's funny sometimes when you have conversations with guys, how they don't realize where you, you know where you've been. And I told them, well, guys, it's not the same anymore. The business has changed so much that I can learn from you guys more than you can learn, more than they can learn from me. Not talking about Brody and Marty themselves because we're so close, the three of us together, that we understand each other when I'm talking or when they're talking. But I told them, like, you know, I, I learned more from, from the guys because the business has changed. So uh, they, you know, just I learned mostly by watching them and by hearing what impresses them during a match. Like if they're talking about a match that they like or a particular talent that they like, I'm trying to find what's that thing that drives them into liking this guy or liking that sequence or this match or whatever they might like of. So that's that's how I'm trying to pick on their brain, pick on their brain. And most of the times uh, if I'd be doing like some signings with, with Brody King as tag team champion, I would ask him like, uh, you have any ideas for tonight? Just by curiosity, see, you know, what's, what's on his mind. And, uh, it's, it, it's, it's really cool. But like, like you said, uh, I'll probably learn more from them than they learn from me. And but it's not by question. It's not like asking question and they they give me an answer. It's by by being really really focused on what they do and why they're doing things and trying to understand their thinking. That's how I'm analyzing them, but they don't really know that. <laughs> but I'm an, that's the way I am, and then I think. Just to go a little bit further in your question, it's like just I think in order to get success, also as you progress in this business or you get older and you're working with guys younger, you have to adapt to changes because the business has changed so much that if you cannot adapt to changes, you cannot follow the rhythm. So that's that's basically the best that I can answer. Your question is by analyzing them. Yeah. Sounds good, Pierre. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, PCO. Um, we appreciate you taking the time. That's all the time we have for our media call. Uh, G1 Supercard airs live in sold out Madison Square Garden in New York City this Saturday, April 6th at 7.30 Eastern through traditional pay-per-view providers and free-for-all honor club members. ROH and New Japan will also present G1 Supercard Festival of Honor this Friday, April 5th, at the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden. The event will feature a full day of on-stage entertainment, talent meet and greets, the official G1 Supercard press conference at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and much more. For more information on Ring of Honor, G1 Supercard, and Festival of Honor, please visit ROHWrestling.com or open the ROH app. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. And we'll see you this weekend in New York City. And I look forward to meeting many of you for the first time. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you to Justin for the, uh, for the, for the top of the show. Man, Justin, you were, just, you were just such a lively character in the top of the show. I'm getting paid by the word today. 
Uh, it was a it was a treat to get to do the shows this week for you guys. We'll be back uh, next Tuesday with the podcast version. Of course, tomorrow, Ringside Wrestling app. Go download it. You'll get another Winkley with me and Raj Geary. If you're going to be in New York, New Jersey uh, this weekend, stop by ROH's Festival of Honor, 2.30, Hulu Theater. I'll be doing commentary alongside Matt Taven for his arm wrestle kingdom. I cannot wait. Uh, also, Saturday noon, I'll be emceeing Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler's Slobberknocker Sessions. That's noon. Gotham Comedy Club, of course, Jim Ross just signed with AEW. There's a live microphone. You can ask Jim Ross any question you want. Feel free to come on out. Lots of coverage still to come this weekend. Mania, G1, TakeOver, Bloodsport, Janela, United We Stand, MLW, a lot more. And go over to iTunes, Wrestling Inc. Audio to subscribe. Get all the post shows we're going to be doing this weekend uh, with our good friends Raj, Matt Morgan, and uh, Glenn Rubenstein. Uh, Justin, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up this Thursday episode of The Winkley? Uh, subscribe and download to my podcast Wrestling Reality with Justin LaBar available iTunes or anywhere you can get it a new episode comes out Friday morning 7am I'll give all my final predictions on Wrestlemania uh, WrestleRumble.com I'll, I'll plug that on the podcast and plug it now WrestleRumble.com it's a lot of fun Wrestlemania is going to be a long day and it's a lot more fun when you can also sit there keep score of okay did I make this match prediction did I pick mm. this person to win and it gets Ooh. even better you can win I think it's, I think first prize is like a thousand bucks um, so uh, WrestleRumble.com check that out a lot of fun uh, and if you're in New York New Jersey again follow me on Twitter and hopefully I will find you somewhere along the week alright that is it guys I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter thanks so much for tuning in we'll talk to you soon and remember if you winked you didn't miss it <laughs>